Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Barry, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. Here with my co-host, Mr. Dustin Soglow Frazier. And I just wanted to remind you all that under the right circumstances, every fleece turtleneck can be sexy. How are you tonight, sir? Everyone? Are you sure? Yeah. Just got to use your imagination. You can make it happen. You know, I've never been big on turtlenecks. This makes me feel like I'm being choked, choked by like a weak midget. So I'm like, I don't know. Oh, a weak hairy midget. Oh. <laughs> Is that politically correct? It's like and a weak it got hairy. Worse, okay. It's like a weak hairy midget strangling you. Try to make that sexy. Well, thank you everyone for being here in the chat room. We are once again ready to do a voting poll tonight because pay per view is among us this upcoming Sunday. So we got that to look forward to. With Helena Sauer, we're also going to be talking about some interesting news happening. Accidental unmaskings, as well as uh, documentaries that are coming up, changes in management and production, hirings and firings, and of course, sexual harassment. But before we get into all of that, I want to thank everyone joining us across all of the podcatcher apps, including iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast is what it's now called, no longer Google Play Music. As well as those of you listening live at talkbrunch.com, as well as on twitch.tv slash talkbrunch and facebook.com slash gaming slash talkbrunch. Thank you. We'll shout you out in the chat room later on. Oh, yeah, definitely one of those weeks, right? Where the news is just a little bit weird, weirder than we used to it being. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, before we get into any of the uh, weird stuff, we always start off with some sort of a cartoon. Lately, I don't know oh, why. God. Here we go again. Purpose. So, Red Heart and Landstorm are going to be on this cartoon called Corner Gas. You fucking kidding? What? Bret Hart in a cartoon again? Yeah, I guess this is the third season, I believe. Me. Thank you for the host, Kula. The third season, I believe. Give me a minute while I look this up real quick. Yes, we got something here. There's life. Oh, God. One, two, one, two, three, four. Tonight is going to be epic. I'm going to the bar. The same Nobody understands me. My dad is a total grouch. Hey! Sometimes I think people in this town like my mom's bread more than they like me. I can't wait till I grow up and... Hang on. I'm 40. Is that arcade fire? We're getting a free dinner with this gig, right? Holy mother of muscle mania. Lance Fury? The greatest wrestler of all time. Fury, you're dead. Hello? It's Mr. Cahill from Red Rip Lick. Been working here 30 years. I still can't say that. Red Whip Licorice. I won't sneeze at wealth. Who wrote this? I can't thank you enough for bringing me and Kyle into your home. Let us know if there's any way we can repay you. This is exactly how I imagined it happening. Don't oh, forget to wish your father a happy birthday from both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Break into corner gas. We'll have a few laughs. Yeah. <sighs> corner gas. That was uh, a little weird. You know what it kind of looks like? Remember F is for family? 
Unfortunately, yeah. I actually put yeah. you guys all onto that show before I regretted it. Yeah. Once yeah. again, just just like everything else, I finished it. <laughs> Except games, man. Except games. Uh Corner Gas. It was filmed not far from you. <laughs> That's how, great. How was it how was it filmed? Do you live in a cartoon world? Wait, okay, he said it used to be a show. Oh, I yeah, see. I didn't finish I read the whole comment. <laughs> all right. Really? <laughs> Interesting. So you'd have to you have to really watch real real episodes of this. That's something else. Really gonna be watching that shit, pointing out stuff in the middle of the fucking episode. Yeah. So we got two Canadians in it. it. Must be a Canadian show. I mean, clearly. I mean, obviously, though. So yeah, I'll watch it. I'll check it out. So the first two seasons in uh in real people form, and then they did cartoons. If only someone would have thought of that with Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> we wouldn't have to make so many adjustments. Just been like, fuck it. The rest of it is animated. Been some shit. I just wonder how that would have been received. Wait a minute. Why does Brain have cartoon legs? Do do the whole. No, I would have just done the whole thing though. But I think that's oh, what we okay. need to do. A lot of these things that are broken, go back and do them as cartoons. This show got it. And it's not even like something with continuity like that. It looks like a little comedy and they got it right. They kept going with cartoons. Do it. We got really cool, badass artists now. Let's redo. Let's do a do over on that Game of Thrones, please. I've seen some amazing shit with animation. Let's just completely wipe the slate clean no hard feelings so long as the agreement is we get to do it again you know there's no limits when you do animation so i do like the idea of this i'll do it as long as i get to see the mountain versus the viper fight animated again yeah you get the real deal oh god exaggerated stuff but yeah here you got it you got lance storm and brett hart lance fury i don't remember what brett's name was i don't know if they even said brett's name all right well moving along remember remember the original mystical Sincara. (laughs) <laughs> yep why are you laughing all they will say mystical I, <laughs> it's not like this guy like you know you just just the sound of his name makes people laugh why you know it is? it's just because when you hear that name all you think of is botches i know i know the <laughs> speak of the it. devil right <laughs> yeah so this guy he botches all the time apparently even outside of the ring and uh, we, for a while there, we were, we thought that it was the WWE style. You know, a lot of people said that he was considered a legend out there. I don't know what it was. I don't know if this was a comedy, or just one of those weird jokes, you know, or what the hell was going on here. But this guy was uh, pretty clumsy and pretty goofy when he was in WWE to the point where they made Hunico, who was a much better Sin Cara. They made him Sin Cara. He was Sin Cara Negro in the feud. Remember that? That the evil Sin Cara? That was Hunico. He, he lost a few, but then he wound up coming back to just replace Sankar anyway. Which is a shame. They should have done an angle where he switched, where they switched it back or something, kept it going rather than they just didn't acknowledge it. But so he's known for botching. Apparently, he did a live stream on Instagram, and uh, he thought that the stream ended, so he took his mask off, looking directly at the camera, which is what you're seeing here. Oh. So That's he's a... never been seen before, but this is him. Why was he still looking at the camera? Like, and he thought the stream was over. He just decided, whoop, I'll just take my mask off right at that moment. Like, what I a saw botch, this picture right? And his eyes scared the hell out of me. That's like the worst. And remember, in Mexico, like, luchas are supposed to uh, be con- like perceived as superheroes. That's the equivocal of if Bruce Wayne came down for dinner and the fucking cowl was still wrapped around his neck dragging. <laughs> Hi, Barbara. Sorry I'm late. Bruce, what the hell? <laughs> like, dude, come on. You're looking right at the damn camera. He looks, now that I know how he looks, I could see how he took all them botches. He looks look like see, a man that does nothing but botch, doesn't he? You could see the botchy face, right? 
oh my god look at his botchy hair i would have totally got it like that would have worked better without the mask if you remember he used to botch the the rope thing the the, the trampoline rope. oh like he did on his first night yeah screwed up so many times man nowhere near the elegance or class of my jim ross live it <laughs> that motherfucker sword <laughs> <laughs> Just because you talk about how the music cues up so well with the end. He hits the right way, hits the ground. And he keeps his hat on and everything. That's elegance right there. That's a beautiful man. He will never be Jim Ross elegant. Write it down. Jim Ross elegant. That's the only good thing that came of the whole Sankara character was the fact that I got to use that for Jim Ross. So now there he is, a secret identity exposed. I feel like Joe Jenner Jameson and shit here. Ha ha, caught ya. It's that guy. <laughs> oh, that is a face a mother could only like as like a backup friend. Like who, need, who needs to take their mask off that immediately though? Right? Like, especially with the full faced ones, I'm pretty sure they're made so you can breathe pretty well. Just add to his record of botches. That, that's what we call living the gimmick right there. Yeah, he really is. That is amazing. Now he can come back and, and he can be Hunico. Oh, the made up character too, right? <laughs> Alright, let's see. I'm gonna cherry pick stories here because I know we got a poll and a bunch of other shit to do. You know, you don't want to screw up on that. So what else do we have of interest? Ah yes, there is one guy who got married. And his name is John Cena. I couldn't resist. You know, we haven't hit that one in, like, what, a year and a half? I mean, you kind of had to. Like. Yeah, so apparently John Cena These just got, don't come up in the news almost. I was like, he got married, and I, don't, I can't even begin to pronounce this woman's name. I've been trying to every time I've seen this story pop up all week. I can't do it. And I'm really trying right now. This is challenging. Like, if this was Trivia Murder Party, I'd be dead. <laughs> to know? the room with you. I'd, I'd be like, just take me to the room. Forget about it. Right? Like, fuck it. You know, there's no way that I'm going to be able to, to do anything in regards to this. But, uh, yeah, while I'm while I'm taking a look at her name here, there's just a picture of them. Apparently, this is them. Uh, this is from WFLA. This is footage of them going into the Hillsbury County Courthouse this past Friday, I guess, to make it all official. So for anyone who's interested in that kind of stuff, this is John Cena with his lady. Her name is Shaghaye Sharia Sada. Shaghaya is just Sharia Zadaya. I probably didn't even get it. That's pretty close. That's just close, so we probably go get it. It's just Shay. Yeah, leave it at that. Good one, cool. That's fine with me. It's just Shay. Let's call it Shay. Actually, looking at the spelling, I think you might have got it right. Yeah. Shaghaya Sharijikada. Yeah, there's no way that we did. Yeah, we we get close. We tried. Shortly after this video was released, Cena tweeted, and all he said was, get lost in it. Just don't get caught up in it. I don't know if that's related to the. That'd be a strange thing to tweet after our marriage, right? Is there a hidden message in there, or is this completely unrelated, you know? I think a message about love, but I mean, huh? Is it really? That's what I would read from it. Get lost in it, just don't get caught up in it? That Romeo. (laughs) (laughs) I I would like to, I'm going to just assume, can't always jump to conclude. I'm just going to just assume that uh, it's not related whatsoever to uh, to that. (laughs) You guys can interpret it how you want. I hate cryptic posts, though, and tweets and stuff like that just because of the fact that it's all up to interpretation. You know, this isn't the end of fucking Sopranos. This is a tweet. Right. But yeah, Mr. John Cena has gotten married. And what are your thoughts of the fact that this is like we haven't even 
heard of this woman, but a few times, and he's already married. And with Nikki, it was like an entire saga. I mean, with Nikki, it was not surprising that it was because I mean, they they were both big names in the WWE. But I kind of I, I like the fact that he just kind of kept this private. So it's like you don't have to hear everything about like, oh, but what did Nikki think and this and that. It's just like, oh, just it's possible. And I've noticed this a lot with social media. It's one thing that bugs me about it. It's possible to keep your love life just between you and your loved one. Yeah. Like you don't have to broadcast it all over the place. You can literally get together, get married, and nobody could ever know. I wonder what made this happen so fast. And uh, in comparison with the Nikki thing, it makes you wonder if the Nikki thing was always a plastic arrangement just for the drama of the television shows and the exposure that the two of them got, which clearly was successful. Because John Cena yeah. is a man of Hollywood now, and the Bellas are known names. So was this entire thing literally uh, business, strategic business arrangements made for everyone to get elevated to where they are? Because like I gotta say, I mean, everyone has gotten elevated, you know. Yeah, you ain't wrong about that one. Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh no! Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Thank you Strive for the host. follow, Strifehost. It's pronounced Shay Sharatsi Shay Sharatsi Day. Jay okay. Shirazi Day. Gotcha. All right. Well, appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of mean, Stacey. I don't know about that. She's like, she's, I wish I haven't gotten a good look at her. Not that I would just judge by that, but, uh, you know, she looks like she can definitely get herself out. A guy, you know, picking them like daisies and shit. Like, I like you. I like you. I like you. I don't like you. You dead. I like you. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, I've, <laughs> I've seen it done before. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad, man. I'm glad that it all worked out. Again, I don't really care in regards to the decision. I'm just wondering if all the stuff that we saw, like the on again, off again, Nikki Cena stuff, which thankfully I feel that on our show specifically, I never gave that much attention to it. I would briefly mention it here and there, but we never really had like five, even five minute segments about Nikki and Cena or the families or any of that stuff. Cause I always really had, felt like we were being worked a little bit yeah it's you know? like you go through like the whole proposal at wrestlemania and everything like yeah like i felt like we were all being worked. and i was like what is that gonna do that doesn't even make a good highlight reel what would that be like it's not even a wrestlemania moment if they didn't even get married right <laughs> you know it's more like a wrestlemania i've never, I've never seen a wrestlemania moment get retracted but i think that one did <laughs> yeah it will be an awkward as hell wrestlemania moment because no Remember one from time, a, Nikki, he got, he popped a question and they didn't get married. Yeah, you know. Like, at least when freaking Randy Savage, they got married. Like, you know, that would be like telling your friend, hey, remember the sitcom Friends? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I love Ross and Emily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, wait a wow. minute. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Are we? That sucks. We don't, we don't control that. So that might just be a thing over there. Uh, yeah, uh, here's usually when you get kind of the best connection. Yeah, we don't unfortunately I, literally have nothing to do with it going there. Like I, it's already out of our hands by the time it hits there. If you're getting it clear here, this is where it's essentially pulling from anyway. <laughs> Fuck, I say Ross and Emily. Hell no. <laughs> so in other news, uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. I don't know if WWE permitted this or not, but apparently they ended their storyline on the. Uh, I guess on the internet is that how we end angles now for for anything? They put out this on Instagram, 
And it says, nothing can stop us. We all the way up. And Mandy apologized, so we good. Hashtag we back bitches. Besties. Hashtag resolved. The whole thing resolved in like a single tweet, you know, in this in this photo. So, wow. Uh, and then Mandy Rose tweeted back and said, no, you apologize first. Then I did. So we good. So that's it. Maybe they just didn't care about the storyline anymore. I mean, WWE didn't really care about the storyline. So why should they, right? Yeah. At this point, I mean, that's putting more effort into it than they did. It's like, okay, let's give this an actual conclusion. Yeah. And then in a bit of grim news, the stalker, uh, according to Wrestling Inc., he, uh, I guess when they arrested him, they asked for his mailing address, and, and he, he gave them Sonya Deville's address so that uh, his mail would then go to her house, I guess as another way of just trolling her, even from prison. And, uh, you know, like this guy, this dude, dude is over the top. You know, to think that. And also, come on, do you guys got some interns or someone working there that should have a little bit more attentiveness to the fact that he used the same address and you guys actually sent mail there? Like, how shit is the court system right now for there to be an oversight like that also? Pretty shit. You know, that sucks that she had to get her mail, too. Like, he actually used the court system against them to do just a little bit more harassment. Just another little extra dig. What an asshole. Okay. So, uh... In other news, last week we spoke a little bit about, uh, well, not even last week. This was a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about Eva Lee's uh, Thunder Rosa situation. Do you remember that? Yeah, um, they wanted, they, some people were saying that they actually started shooting on each other in the middle of their match. Right. That they had like a little bit of a shoot fight there. So, uh, when asked about it by pro wrestling junkies, she was, Eva Lee's was quoted. Tell me what you think of, think of this comment. She was quoted saying, I kind of expected this question to come up at some point. I've made it a point to not respond to it since the whole thing came up. I won't comment much about it, but I will state obvious facts according to it. Whenever it comes to pro wrestling, I'm obviously the vet within the equation. So that pretty much should say a whole lot to anyone that knows anything about pro wrestling. They they can put two and two together that that me being the vet within the equation and also the fact that I don't take people trying to disrespect me. With those facts, it's kind of self-explanatory what happened and anything that comes up along those lines. Hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, that one was kind of all over the place, but certain parts of it sounded like they might have started shooting. It sounds hmm. like she's basically saying, I did what I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to go Sounds like, hey, we started match. shooting. Ain't nobody apologizing, so. Yeah, we got to go back and watch that match. Yeah, nothing, at least to my knowledge, at least to my memory, looked like anything I've seen outside of any Eva Lee's matches. But then again, maybe it was something I missed. Yeah, perhaps. So Marco Stunt apparently has a brother. Did you know this? Until this story broke out, I did not, actually. Yeah, you heard about this already? Logan Stunt? Yeah, I heard a little bit of it. Okay, so this is him? I would have thought that was Marco Stunt. You, literally. I thought the same thing. And I was like, is that Marco? Did Marco get a haircut? Apparently, according to this story here, there was a a, a person who makes ring gear. Her name is Tina Louise. Uh, And she said that uh, this guy, Logan Stunt, tried to grope her and wanted to see her breast. That's that's interesting. Just randomly? Just rag run up to you and just like kind of like the way freaking uh, Master Roshi would? Oh, God. You know what I mean? Like it's just I'm those just, are grossy levels of aggressive. I'm just not even questioning the validity so much as just the unusual nature of it. Like he just came up to you, like just literally to just grope you right there. That's so strange. Yeah, 
You know, she said she tried to laugh it off, but she was uncomfortable. And uh, then she won the missing shows, apparently throughout this collective, which I guess was a series of shows or whatever that they did. Yeah, I believe that's what a collective is. Yeah. So, all right. That's really weird. I didn't even know that he had a brother. Yeah, same. I got- I've seen some interviews of him. I've never heard him mention anything of a brother. Yeah, and apparently they, there's some evidence that she provided here. See what the hell we got. Okay, so this is her full story. I mean, we got the general idea that she, he tried to grope her. You know, anyone who wants to see the whole story here. I know I saw a part in it where he's basically saying, like, if I did anything to make you feel uncomfortable, I'm sorry. I just thought that you were into me or something like that. Oh, I mean, I've been there before. So, yeah, that's a. That's Unless a, you've been exactly <laughs> there before. Not exactly there. Huh? <laughs> 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 Clarify something, right? I just walk up and just try to fucking like, no, no. <laughs> I'd be concerned if you've been exactly there. <laughs> next thing you know, I'm not on the show next week. Yeah, you know, we had to take your time off to teach you sensitivity training and shit. <laughs> it was more than her anxiety and PS- PTSD could take, and she came back to Effie's because of knowledge. Oh, oh boy, this is crazy. Again, I'm just looking through it. I'm kind of trying to spare the audio of having to read another one of these fucking things. Oh, yeah, because these things are long. Yeah, so she started to have therapy, and I think the last shot was the text message. Where are? Yeah, he basically said, uh, "If I did anything to make you upset, I'm sorry. If I did, I got the wrong idea, and I'm sorry. I thought you were into me. I'm sorry for getting the wrong idea." And she just says, "Thank you." All right. Yeah, I mean, he did apologize. So I was listening to Cornet. He called them little fucking tree elves. He was like these little fucking tree elves going around groping all the women. I couldn't help but pop a little. <laughs> oh god yeah it is like when Kane came out the first time except it's like an even smaller brother oh you know that's gotta be what do you say well logan yeah that's gotta be logan that'd be some shit oh god could they reenact that bit on bt or something i, I just want to see that want moment again with those two like i don't think they're gonna want to well, while we're talking about sexual harassment and stuff like that, let's talk a little bit about Joey Ryan, who has now filed a lawsuit against Impact Wrestling because they fired him during that speaking out movement situation. PW Insider is reporting that he filed a lawsuit against um, Anthem, which is the parent company to Impact, saying that they're in breach of contract for $10 million. And uh, apparently this is the sixth lawsuit that Joey's filed in, in the past few weeks because he's been suing all the women. Now he's suing Impact Wrestling. Uh, so... He said that he signed the contract September 1st, 2019. That was supposed to run to August 31st, 2021, but that the contract was breached when Impact. Um, Scott DeMore uh, emailed him on the 22nd of June to inform him that the company no longer was going to be booking him due to the recent allegations. And he said he received a formal release notice from the company and that the contract was being amended on June 22nd. They released him. And he said the, law, the lawsuit says that uh, they did not perform... Um, they express language of the contract to follow and abide by the term prescribed and that they fail to perform as guaranteed by failing to adhere to the express terms. So basically breach of contract. Yeah, it was one of the cases of like it was a sudden firing. Man, he went crazy with uh <laughs> with these lawsuits though, right? He soon he said shit. Everybody up, can get it. Like he's just going nuts. It's funny because I still follow Joey Ryan's YouTube channel from because if you, anyone who have, is following our Talk Brunch Facebook page, you guys know I've uploaded uh, my own videos from me being at indie shows, and uh, 
a lot of them have had Joey Ryan and Candice LeRae and a lot of the people that we see now in AEW. And uh, so I still follow his YouTube channel from those days. And I noticed when this whole thing first happened, he deleted everything on his YouTube channel or made it invisible or whatever the hell he did. And now I guess he's bringing him back. And for the past few weeks, my subscription is just filled with his stuff, I guess, because now he's re-uploading everything. So I'm just getting like these just pools and pools of freaking content from him, the old Candice match and stuff. Good content, too, but I just noticed he put all his shit back now. So, uh, this is definitely a man taking a stand here. But, yeah, it's you really... sometimes. Yeah, it's a shame how this whole thing turned out. You know? It really is. Like, because he... Even though, I mean, some people feel how they want to feel about Joey Ryan, he was in a pretty prominent spot in Impact. Like, they were... He was... I think he... I don't think he was... There was ever a point where he wasn't on TV for a solid, like, two, three months. And, and he was rolling, and then this happened and just bang. Yeah. And obviously he was living a promiscuous lifestyle. I actually take the time, just like I do with the presidential debates and everything else, I actually take the time to listen to his entire video statement, uh, the two hours that it was. And he didn't deny his promiscuous lifestyle, but he did refute a lot of these allegations. And he, he brought over, over his own proof, um, in all fairness. So whether or not people believe he's sleazy or not is subjective but as far as him being guilty i mean he did bring present a lot of evidence to the contrary of his accusations so just something to keep in mind when you think about people like him you know yeah but yeah the suing the suing is strong with this one write it down (laughs) yes you know that's how you handle shit in america nowadays good old lawsuits i tell you okay well we have any other stories besides mr joey ryan here which, by the way, long-time listeners, if you guys remember back when Candace was on, like, we were going to, like, FWE shows in Brooklyn and shit. Back when Candace wasn't even a name, I told you guys, I called it. I said she's a huge star in the future. This is going back five, six years, and now they're just sort of picking up on that. So I just thought of that because I thought of the Joey Ryan and the old matches and things. <sighs> so uh, what else do we have going on here? Triple H apparently was on WWE on Fox's news channel. And I thought this was actually interesting because they asked him about future headliners of WrestleMania. I don't know if you heard about this at all. Um, I know he. I, I heard that he did did um did do an interview, but I hadn't heard much of uh, what he said. Fade five. If you want to give a rub, the guy that's going to be here perhaps in the next five years, dominating. Who would guy or or girl? Or girl, or girl. Or Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. Who would that be? Um, in, in your mind? Well, you know, Steph brought it up, guy or girl. If I was to say right now. Who is the pick to come here in the next few years and headline WrestleMania? Yeah. yeah. Rhea Ripley. Wow. Wow. That's big. That was a, I have to say, that was a very, very good in front of his wife answer. <laughs> you know? Because what was, what the fuck was he going to say? Right? You don't say a guy. <laughs> like, what was he going to say? Look at the, look at the spot that that man was just put in right there. Come on. You he guys say, he says right? any guy, he's on the couch. But look, let's, let's have an instant replay of this. Fade five, if you want to give a rub, the guy that's going to be here perhaps in the next five years dominating. Who would guy or, or girl? Or girl. Or girl. Well, thank you. Uh, you see? What was he going to do after that? After see, that Right happened? at that moment. See, Chef got him. <laughs> Chef got him by the nuts right at that moment. You know what the only thing that would have been better is if she would have snapped and looked at him real quick and then looked back. I mean, she already did this McMahon thing. It was all said and done already, you know? No, like, you motherfucker, you're doing this. Like, you pick a woman, damn it. 
Yeah, Triple H knows his way around that family. Smart. <laughs> Smart man. But I just found it funny. And it's also still an interesting choice, Rhea Ripley. Uh, just because she hasn't really had much momentum and to say she'll headline a WrestleMania. Well, I'm not that's, saying I That's doubt only because they shot it in the foot. Yeah. If they would have let it roll properly, maybe. But right now, they got to dig her out of a hell of a hole for that to even be a possibility. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Strive. That was my thoughts. It makes me think, what would his answer have been behind closed doors? And what would it have been had she not jumped in like that and directed it to being uh, a chick? Right. You know? Because, I mean, who else was he going to say? They asked him about an up-and-coming NXT person that would headline WrestleMania, and then she was like, she? Who else was he going to say? Aaliyah? I feel, I, feel like, I feel like he could have probably gone for maybe like an Adam Cole or something. But he had to say a girl. But and no, he, had, he had to say a girl because Steph backed him in that corner. So it's kind of like, who could he say? Aaliyah? <laughs> Dakota Kai is going to headline WrestleMania? He would probably said something like Io Shirai would have been a better choice because I could see Io Shirai versus Asuka. And then even if it doesn't happen, it would have still made sense to everyone why he picked that. You know, Rhea Ripley? I guess we'll see. But that was just like, you know, his, uh, that was just him trying not to fumble the ball there. Yeah. And like I said before, they, the only reason Rhea's in this, in this situation now is because they decided on title defense number two, we're going to get rid of Charlotte. They don't do that. She's fine. But nah, they, they were just like, Charlotte title. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's being reported by people that watch AEW live on Wednesdays. And there's actually a few girls who have put out audio that they asked, how am I on the Thunderdome during uh, NXT? I saw this. When uh, I've been watching AEW live. I'm here watching AEW. How am I on the Thunderdome? And apparently, I saw the girl who did it. <laughs> apparently what happened is uh, by them being part of the Raw and SmackDown Thunderdomes, they signed their likenesses away to WWE, which gives WWE the right to repurpose their animations and audios for any other things that they see fit whenever they see fit. So uh, they'll sometimes just put in people that were on Raw and SmackDown, and that'll be the faces that you see on the Thunderdome if they need like people popping or if they need people booing or whatever. They'll just throw up their own faces out there, and it's just basically stock footage now. It's they, they own you. Like when you signed up for this free experience, it wasn't free. They own they own your likeness now in the Thunderdome. That's kind of funny. I like that. That's <laughs> fucking weird. These motherfuckers said we own you too. We own the fans. <laughs> so the now fuck? they can just use them whenever they want. I guess you have to read the fine print before you hit accept, but that's essentially what you sign up for. Is that even you in the fine print? So that, uh, oh, that's my question. It is. No, it is. It's literally or, or, part or, or, of the contract. Or did they do like everything else and just add some shit in? No, no. I'm sure that this was the plan all along. Now they have people. They they could even stop giving out people. You know what I mean? Like they could just say fuck everybody. We don't want to waste the bandwidth anymore. And then they have people that they could just go through forever on the on the Thunderdome. They just have Thunderdome stock people save a fortune. You don't even need the bandwidth to have them hooked up anymore. They'll just be that little Thunderdome. Real. They'll be little Thunderdome, <laughs> Thunderdome gifts. <laughs> each each thing will be a little a little seven second Thunderdome gift. Oh like my you god, it's to be rotating like fucking. Oh, <laughs> a much cheaper, smarter Thunderdome. They have to worry about what happens there. <laughs> yeah, in a month and a half, people are going to be rolling by like fucking TikTok videos. Oh man, I knew this was going to be shitty eventually. Like. See, like, is, is this really what it's come to? Like, now you try to just own people? Like, well, this is, yep, according to PW Insider, they said that basically oh. uh, they gave the company the ability to use their likenesses when they signed the Thunderdome agreement. So now they have <sighs> fans. They have virtual fans they could use forever and ever. 
even if you stop supporting them somewhere down the road, you might find yourself in the Thunderdome popping for them while you're watching Dynamite. You're sitting there watching fucking replays of Wrestling Society X. The fuck are you doing in the Thunderdome? I'm not in the Thunderdome. Oh, man. No, I don't think that was to you, Strive. <laughs> I can't question. <laughs> we own you then, now, and forever. Even the fans, man. <laughs> That's awesome. You know how, think about, that sucks, man. I'm so happy that I don't like that kind of shit. I hate things that are, I don't know, I kind of feel like people are marks for themselves. I've always told you guys that I hate when I see people walking around with world titles, even at events, like it's disrespectful to me. I don't like people being a mark, even even as someone who does a show. The reason I disassociated from a lot of other shows is I found the host and shit, they were marks for themselves. Like more than they wanted to talk about the stuff, they just wanted to hear themselves talk about the stuff. So I'm glad that I've never been that kind. I want to see myself on the shitty Thunderdome because think about how much it would suck now. Like you pay the ultimate price. Like imagine, I can't even think of who would you not want to see win a title right now if you had to pick somebody. Like on Raw or SmackDown, who would it be like, man, that sucks that they won the title at this point? Anybody in retribution? Okay, <laughs> let's say that 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 that, that uh, fucking Ballsack wins it. What was the guy's name? Ballsack. <laughs> Whatever the guy, let's say one of these retribution guys wins it, right? And it's the last thing that you want. Imagine you look up and you see yourself popping for that moment and it's immortalized. Now, whenever they highlight that shit on the network and they show ball sack you're winning there. the title, you're there popping for him. Oh my God. One of, could you just imagine that? Imagine if we get a, like a Miz like cash in. Somebody out there is going to be the new Miz girl. And, it's not and gonna, they it's probably be, will have long stop supporting it. It'll be repurposed, right? Oh my god! They'll be the new Miz girl, but it'll be like their anger from when they dropped out Apollo Cruz. The fucking Miz screen. <laughs> but yeah, just imagine that you could be out there popping when you didn't mean to after Ballsack from Retribution wins his championship. <laughs> you know that's what we called him now, right? He's gonna be out there with piercings and fucking dreads and a Jason scheme <laughs> holding up holding up the IC title. Even though that shit, even though that shit, that's all he does. He doesn't fucking talk. He just. Oh, I don't even know which one of them I'm talking on. It's generalizing on what a fucking retribution oh, guy looks. I don't remember I what his name is. I don't remember what his name was. It was uh, I honestly can't remember their names. It was the stupid names. Like, oh, it was Flapjack was one of them, right? Was that the one? Who's Flapjack? Like, at least, at least with the fucking Dark Order guys, I remember the number. I don't remember these fuckers' names till Willie says something. And I don't know which name goes to what guy. Like, which one's the one that's Donovan Dijak now? I don't know. know. He's Flapjack or T-Bone. Fucking oh, shit, oh. <laughs> The only one I know is fucking Reckoning. Reckoning. That's Mia Yim. And because that name does not fucking fit her. T-Bar. There's one of them. So which one? Which one's who? Which one's fucking oh, okay. Donovan Dijak? I mean, physically, I could see which one is him. I'm asking what name goes to Donovan Dijak's retribution guy. Cool. He would be the one to remember, too, wouldn't he? <laughs> is he T-Bar? I almost wish I he was Dijokovic again. As much as I hated that name, worse now that he went from Donovan Dijak to Dijokovic to now fucking one of these names. These names sound like shitty Street Fighter DLC characters. They sound like the, like, the, the, they, like the, if they need to put out DLC and they just made some shit up. They're like extras in a Final Fighter Double Dragon game, you know? <laughs> Flapjack, and you get to the second level and it's just them again in different colors. It's like these motherfuckers be extras in the Warriors. Like. Those Flapjacks have extra life. <laughs> yeah so that sucks and they have good people on there you know it's just that uh they're all they're all a really strange gimmick you know what you could even still fix this just take off some of that shit that they're wearing and the names and then just let them stay together 
and just Let it kill be the whole faction. Regular Mia Yim and Donovan Dijak with Mustafa Ali. And who are the other ones in there? I don't even remember who they used to be anymore. It's Shane Thorns in there. Mercedes Martinez apparently been stuck, sent back down to NXT, so that lasted. Yeah, after she got fired from the freaking uh, Jim McCord, Robert Stone brand, which that makes her look golden. They didn't even want her on that brand. They didn't even fire her. The guy who just ran over by a fucking... got called up and then was back down. The guy who gets run over by a fucking Tonka track fired her by a Tonka tank. Did they even really fire her, though? I don't know. I, I just remember her losing that cage match, and then the next time I saw her, she was out with Retribution. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, did we not play? I'm pretty sure we played it on here at some point. If we didn't play it on here, maybe I just saw it. But they did definitely do something after the show was over where she got um, where Robert Stone served her some sort of an order or something, and she was kicked out. Oh, okay. Yeah, they definitely got rid of her, got rid of her. Yeah. So. Jesus Christ. You know, that doesn't make her look very good. Yeah. Like, at this point, I would almost just overhaul the whole fucking faction. They're already dead in the water. But yeah, this is how NXT is getting the Wednesday crowd. They're just basically using the Monday and, and uh, freaking Friday crowd. But they did rehire some people with some of that money that they're saving. In case you were worried about certain people that you were never going to see again, well, don't worry because an all-time favorite is coming back. Tino Sabatelli has just signed a new contract with NXT. You can now get your Tino Sabatelli fix. I know a lot of you were holding your breath, but there he is. I just realized something too. What? Said Rick Moss back out of NXT. We got future tag champions again. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but there you, you know go. The Team Sabatelli. They got their priorities straight, you know? You know what the bad part about it is? I, because anybody who's been long time listeners, we all know when he's setting up this bit. I knew it was going to be bad. I did not expect Tino Sabatelli. Yep, that's the big guy. Big Bucks Sabatelli. Unfreaking believable. <laughs> He's gonna be a retribution next. Yeah, and just in case you're not you're not thinking about uh, in case you you're not overwhelmed by the by the star power yet, we have another superstar celebrating five years in WWE, and that being and I went off the air talking about this guy last week without even realizing we're gonna talk about it this week. But Arturo Ruiz. Oh my God, he's been here five years. He said today we celebrate. It's been five years since we des- we decided to take the biggest step of our lives. We knew it couldn't be easy, and we would be away from all the people we love. But we knew that all the sacrifice would be worth it. Thank you, everyone, for all your support. Now look, last week I was just saying who the fuck was Arturo Ruiz, and this week he's celebrating his five year anniversary. Has this guy really wow. been around for five years? Has it been five years of this guy? Where? I've seen him like seven times on NXT. Damn. That's where there are some people who are just happy to be there. Yeah, I don't know why, but happy he survived, I guess. Happy. I, I, I've never seen an understudy just happy to be on the set like. Yeah, not me neither, man. That is just too crazy. I you forgot about him. I didn't forget about him. I just didn't feel like it's been freaking five years of him. I've seen him multiple times on NXT. And I, I don't count that Raw Underground horse shit. Like I saw him actually wrestle on NXT numerous times. But yeah, I didn't realize. Good God, that's not making me question how long some of these guys have been here. Like it's like I, I need I need freaking Raul Mendoza to celebrate a milestone so I can see how long he's been here. Yeah, he made it through the COVID pink slips. <laughs> Good Lord, were you there for the COVID pink slips of twenty twenty? Wow. Oh my God, that's something else. All right, what else do we got going for sir? Don't forget, guys, hang in town. We're going to be putting the voting poll down tonight for this sunday's hell in a cell which we will be in the chat room during the hell in a cell for the watch party followed by a post show 
Uh, but we will be talking about the matches and you'll get to put in your votes. Tell us who you think is going to win. How exciting is that going to be? Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Thanks for the follow, Ichabaygon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. But yeah, it feels like these pay-per-views just come and go throughout the uh, throughout the months, years. How long have we been doing this now? Six years? You know, and it's like... Probably hundreds of pay-per-views been covered on the show. Yeah, and now it's like the momentum of pay-per-view seems to be almost every two weeks. So, you know, we got tons of those. So, yeah, don't forget to stick in there for that. And again, guys, vote, please. I know it's not... We get a lot of votes when it's a main WWE pay-per-view, not as many for the NXT or the AEW, so that still, to me, says a lot. But whenever you vote, it gives us a better idea of who you think is going to go over in these matches, and we get a better percentage for our community. Even if you're a casual, you're considered part of the community, so definitely helps. So uh, I believe it was last week we spoke about the fact that the Netflix-exclusive television show Glow is, uh, unfortunately, due to the circumstances in the world, officially canceled. And uh, there's been some new information that's come out about this show, apparently. I'm trying to look here to see what we have here. But uh, apparently, Awesome Kong signed this letter with the other people who are part of GLOW. And uh, it just basically is a letter of issues that they had with the production of GLOW, apparently. And how they wanted certain things to change. I guess this was sent to the creative team behind GLOW. And... uh. They said, we are writing to you today to share some feelings that have been suppressed in all of us for a long time. As the principal women of color on a show tackling racist and offensive stereotypes, we have felt disempowered throughout our time on GLOW. We've individually come to you to express our concerns over the course of three seasons, whether it be in our character meetings or during specific conflicts within our storyline. And our characters continually remain less fleshed out and less dimensional. It has been problematic to use our faces, oftentimes solely in the context of a racist storyline, and to be brief with our story development to serve the in-depth white storylines. Glow has been marketed as a diverse ensemble, but for all of us diverse cast members, it has never lived up to those ideas. Since season one, the show has planted racial stereotyping into our character's existence, yet our storylines are relegated to the sidelines in dealing with this conflict or have left us feeling like checkboxes on a list. Unfortunately, we feel that the promise of this show has not been fulfilled. There's incredible support and love and camaraderie amidst the glow cast. And it, and it should go without saying that we are not here to take down our white castmates or our show, but to elevate us all in a deeper, more significant way. Uh, wow, this shit is long. I'm not even halfway through. With zero persons of color in the writer's room this season, it's a huge oversight to be writing our narratives without anyone else to represent us besides ourselves. There has been an emotional toll on us to take care of an enact, of an enact our characters. The meta-narrative of our show, actors dealing with the conflict of perpetuating stereotypes in order to have opportunity is exactly what is happening in our real life. We feel both devalued in our in our skill set and only values for the diversity that we bring. Uh, oh God, this goes on uh, for a while. Keep going uh, in, Jesus. Yeah, there's a few pages of this. If you want me to bring it up on the screen, like I guess their demands shit. and shit. They, they then had demands. Let me see what the fuck. Oh boy, dialogue about our feelings. Blah blah. Hire an executive producer of of consulting 
or consulting producer of color fully address how portraying stereotypical and racially offensive wrestling personas has impacted our characters' professional lives and personal dignity. So I guess these are some of their demands or requests. Or I'm not going to read the whole details of it as far as that. And then they have like another page of these. What were the other ones? Uh, amplify our voices and our importance within the season narrative. Fourth season returning series regulars. We've been loyal to glow, dedicating our lives. All right. Well, no, I did not see Grand Army. Uh, yes, I guess these these girls were pissed off about the way that the show. What are your thoughts on this? I find this interesting. This came out literally a week removed from the show's cancellation announcement. The timing again. Yeah, the timing. Yeah, that's the first thing that jumps out to me. The timing that this literally comes out a week after. But a lot of talk about having more black folk on behind the scenes. <laughs> like, yeah. it, wow, that seemed to be at least of what we what we just heard like that was kind of a lot of the base of it that i was hearing yeah no definitely different yeah yeah that's a good point if it did he has a good point there if it came up if it came out a week after that means it's been brewing for a while very good point but yeah um yeah i guess i guess that's one way to look at it I got to move along because we do have to talk about some of the weekly wrestling but now i wanted to talk a little bit about jake hager i know he's come up in the dirt sheets recently uh, apparently, Jake Hager is due to fight in Bellator again. According to MA Kings, they're saying that he has an October 29th fight at Bellator 250. Um, he's going to be fighting Brandon Calton. Um, so what are your thoughts on this, first of all? Uh, I mean, this is what's only his third fight in Bellator, I think. God, this, I'm trying to think of the last time I even watched a Bellator fight. It's kind of just interesting that this comes out of nowhere because I'd, I'd truth be totally forgotten he was even in Bellator. But then again, I've never been too big on them just because there's not too many names over there, honestly. But then one of my issues that came out of Bellator was, right, right, just about figure Bellator still exists. One of my issues that came out of there was after they had that situation with, uh, I think it was his second fight, he had that low blow issue. And then that just turned into a thing on TV for a while. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like when these guys come out of Bellator. And then they try to put them on the same, they try to talk them up as if they're on the same level as people who come out of the UFC. Because they've done that with Lashley, they've done that with Hager, where it's just like, he's, he's undefeated in MMA. And it's like, yeah, but it's Bellator. Like, nobody knows you if you're in Bellator almost. The only people I think they really ever know in Bellator are the people who came down there from the UFC. Yeah, and I don't know. For, for me, there's a few things about it that I find kind of weird. Like, first of all, this fight they're saying is happening basically now in nine days, right? Yeah, 29, nine days away. Doesn't he have to go through a training camp or something? How the hell does he go from hanging out in AEW to having this this fight in nine days? I mean, maybe he's been training in his off time. I mean, we haven't seen him wrestling too often on AEW, so that could possibly be why. But it's not normal for someone to take something under that short notice, right? Oh, it's, it's happened before. I've seen fighters take fights on day notice. Yeah, but I, you would expect it's just weird the way that they did that, you know? Like, normally, it's, it's usually because someone didn't make weight or got sick or something like that. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is just the fact that watching AEW for a while now, he hasn't been wrestling as much. So, I, the only thing I could think is that part of the reason why is because he's been in this training camp and they don't want him to hurt himself in the ring or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that it happens, but normally you try to plan for this. But whatever. You know, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. Never know. Yeah, you really don't. So, uh, yeah, I guess we should talk a little bit about the weekwees, right? 
see what's going to happen this week in wrestling. Uh, where do we want to go first? I guess we probably want to go with uh, AEW, right? Your favorite? Your, your, it's yeah, your boys. Don't. It's your boys I mean, over at, uh, at AEW. I mean, there's two of them over there. So, <laughs> so this is one year later. Remember one year ago, guys, we were talking about AEW and about the possibilities. One year later, we are now having the anniversary episode. Uh, in my opinion, it didn't really feel like much of an anniversary. You know, it didn't. I think that tonight's Raw felt like more of an anniversary as the season premiered and they did a good job of making their show special, you know. And uh, that being said, you have the anniversary episode and Kip and Penelope, and that's this is the way you open an anniversary episode. One year, you survived one year out there. Uh, first shot we see is Kip and Penelope playing video games on an arcade cabinet. So uh, that's just a great way to start. And then we get into the match, which was, what, what was this match again? It essentially is Miro, and uh, I know it basically ultimately becomes Trent going face first through the damn arcade cabinet. Yeah, it was actually, uh, yeah, it was the AEW tag titles. Right, right. It was FTR with 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 Tully Blanchard against the best friends, and uh, yeah, at one point, freaking Trent, poor Trent, got lost through the back of the arcade. Yeah, which again, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a goofy spot. I get it. I get the goofiness of these spots, but you know what I mean, man. Like you don't like you don't feel a little bit saturated. Like now in the anniversary episode, that uh, that's what we that's what we've. It, we've come to you know goofy yeah, spots yeah i feel else. like for the anniversary episode that's when you turn the lights on the brightest and that's when it's just madness was like you celebrate you celebrate yeah. aew you know and it's just it's not what it felt like happened here it felt more kind of like they went a little bit just kind of like through the motions with this one yeah which is really unfortunate i get it like a lot of things have happened and uh resources are slim they don't have everybody there i'm sure the circumstances aren't ideal either but uh they just didn't really seem like they did anything special here. You know, if that's how you're starting the show, you would think that it would have started uh, as much as they love to give their speeches and talk about how great AEW is. You think it would have started with like some sort of freaking um, tribute. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would have like, been, yeah, that would like Cody or somebody coming out and talking about the fact that here they are a year later and maybe show some highlights of the press conference by the pool that they did at that one point that they did one. Um, you know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of different things that they could have done. And uh, instead, we have a uh, fucking video games being put into a match here. Uh, so what else happened? We had. Uh, I mean, the one good thing that came out of it was Jim Ross saying first time I've called a match where an arcade cabinet got involved. Mark that down. <laughs> Yo, Jim you Ross's know. commentary is one of my favorite things on AEW. Yeah. And there was a cheating sequence here. And it was just strange the way that the ref ducked down to cover himself for the part with the, with the belt cheating. You know what I'm talking about? Like the ref, everything, everyone sold the timing of it just looked weird and everything. It just kind of took me out of it. Uh, I don't know, man. I have no idea what the fuck. Rusev winds up coming out and like he's mad because they broke his stuff. He's like, you break my shit. You know, game over. He winds up killing Sean Maluda, who Jim Ross needs to remind us is related to The Rock. How is he going to get over? Uh, this one got the surefire way. <laughs> yeah, if there's anything else you want to talk about, call it out because I'm just cherry picking here. Uh, yeah, Lance Archer, who's attacking Moxley backstage in a very underwhelming backstage segment. It looked like 
it, it, it rivals some some daytime soap operas love scenes like they didn't it didn't seem like there was enough of a beating here to warrant anybody really being taken out they were just kind of rubbing against each other here you know not as violent as you would expect for something backstage to be um especially with these guys especially yeah especially what they've done to each other over in japan like yeah we follow up on what happened last week with the will he won't he of mjf whether or not he's going to join the inner circle sammy guevara finally gets his jacket and it's oversized it's a gigantic jacket on sammy guevara yeah, you could tell that was mjf's doing too just the way he looked at it, like ah it fits just for it's like oh you fucker yeah so we're doing one of those where you got like the one guy who just didn't like the guy that's there which sort of kind of hypothetically theoretically possibly possibly might want to join the inner circle Wow. Wow. So what you're saying is you kind of sort of want to possibly almost might be. Yeah. So they're they're, they're still back to doing that. So he might want to join the inner circle. Is he going to join the inner circle? Is he a snake in the grass? You know, it's one of those things. It seems like Jericho's the only one who's like, I want to be. Which is kind of interesting. The fact that I think what Ortiz, no, it was a. Yeah, it was Ortiz just was straight out like, we don't want you. And Jericho's just like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. It'd be interesting if he really is like a deceptive bastard. Like, imagine if they were to turn and jump Jericho out of his own stable. That'd be some shit, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Like, they wind up taking him as the leader and then surprise, now Jericho's asked out here. You've seen stuff like that happen. Remember what happened to Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen at the time, and Scum? He was the leader and yeah. he wound up jumped by them. He wound up having to destroy them himself. And then, he, yeah, he wanted to, I'll never, that's one of my favorite lines from that cage man, the man who created come destroyed it yeah so it's one of those situations i i do like their interactions though like yeah, yeah. I, I like just the moments where like mjf took forever to say that he might want to be in the inner circle just because it's so out of his personality yeah and i was great and if you like uh mjf then you'll definitely like this fan made y2 mjf oh you shitting me there you go y2jf uh, he didn't like it. <laughs> of course he doesn't. Oh my god! <laughs> I, you know, he unfortunately did not enjoy it. Oh, it's upsetting that it kind of fits. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> Good God! But yeah, he talks about next week, and they hype it like if it's going to be a match. They talk about the uh, the steak dinner, Jericho MJF steak dinner. See you there. Who's picking up the check? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing the steak dinner from next week. I can't wait to see. That's one of my favorite parts. Just to see when they when the check shows up. Because mm-hmm. everybody everybody's been there. You go to dinner and you ain't you not 100 percent positive about who's paying that, and everybody gives each other that look. Oh boy. So uh, Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker are getting facials at the beauty spa, and Britt quotes Jr. Um, and says, "Be the baddest bitch on the block." And uh, then she realizes that Shivani's naked next to her and she screams and there's like a fast cutaway to like a, a different point in it. And we wind up waxing Tony's chest. Isn't that great? <laughs> Tony's chest for ratings. Brit's such a bitch. It's wonderful. We talked about this last week in the chat room, but Cody's entrance at this point is more dramatic than when Shawn Michaels had Goddess, his tag team partner. You know, a little bit too much. A little bit too that much. That intro only really worked at pay-per-views. Yeah. Like whip that one out for the pay-per-views, but not every week. Yeah, it's definitely uh definitely off-putting. This is Cody versus Orange Cassidy, and this actually goes to a draw where 
Cassidy would have won if he had one more second. This is once again, we talk about what everyone in this company, if, if this was the game, everyone has a 95. Like Cody Rhodes went over Brody Lee, who's the leader of the Dark Order. And then you're telling me that Orange Cassidy, who beat Jericho in a fucking orange juice match, almost beat him by a second. Like, I just don't understand their food chain here. I don't understand the hierarchy of uh, the way this company works. You know? Well, I mean, Cody, I think, is the only person in AEW who's gone to a draw before this. Because I know his first match with Darby Allen, it went the full distance. And they were kind of, they were back and forth virtually this whole match. So. Everybody's back and forth virtually their whole match. That's I one guess, of the problems with this company, you know? Everybody's back and forth. Like, who isn't? You know, Cody Rhodes just got that title back. I understand if you want to make the man look good, but not to that point, you know? Yeah, I mean, but hey, at this point, they don't have another option. Warn a rematch. You got to finish it. (sighs) Yeah, I guess. So after this, we get an update with Matt Hardy, who although he never had a concussion, we keep getting health updates on him and whether or not he's cleared and how good he's doing. For someone who had nothing wrong with him after he took that nasty head bump, we sure are given a lot of updates to remind us how okay freaking uh, Matt Hardy is, you know, like... Nothing was ever wrong with me, but by the way, I just wanted to give you guys my weekly medical health update. All right. You know, that's perfectly normal when you're okay. All of us were common sense knowing that man was concussed. Yeah. <laughs> so he's basically happy, and it's a feel-good speech, which, by the way, uh, why don't Rebby's kids wear masks um, or the people near her or anybody around that area? I'm just saying. Just something to throw out there. But anyway... After this, this leads to a Sammy Guevara video package with a message to uh, Matt Hardy. Was there ever any question, Matt? Who attacked Matt Hardy? It was me. It was me all along, and I'm never going to stop. I'm the man that left you laying it all out. I'm the man that took out your knee. I'm the man that busted your face. And I'm the man that every single week they clear you, I'm going to send you right back on the shelf. I'm going to send you right back to the hospital because this is not over until I send you home for good. What are your thoughts on this? I'm going to let you go first. They, they, people are going to feel how they want to feel about it. Ain't no way in hell you going out how that last match did. They had to do this shit one more time. Like, nobody's going out on a last man standing match that lasted three and a half minutes. Okay. Like, you, you, you can't do that, because I feel like that would have been worse than them having one, than them having whatever they're going to do now. Okay. My problem, though, is uh, why does it have to be presented like this? Like, I'm looking at this, right? This is one of my problems with this company. Characters in this company, they change like the wind. Like, it's weird to see Sammy. Like, look at the fucking setting he's in and the way that came off. Look at the dark and dramatic light. Like, uh, this is the same guy who 15 minutes ago was in an oversized fucking jacket. You know what <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, 15 yeah. minutes before this, he was wearing a big floppy fifle jacket in the fucking middle of the ring. You know, he was just doing an American Sammy. And uh, here we are. And he's dramatically in a fucking darkly lit room threatening Matt Hardy. But then again, MJF's nowhere around here to fuck with him. Because if MJF had been around the corner, that would have been a whole different kind of But it's just, you see what I mean? It's just so, I don't know, man. Like he was just wearing a big oversized fucking floppy jacket. Remember? For the MJF. Where's MJF? Yes, because MJF. You know, that's the storyline that he's in. That's the tone of the storyline that Sammy Guevara's in right now. You can't just a few minutes later have him be an evil character. I mean, because then again, the whole thing with the inner circle MJF thing, that's not even about Sammy. That's more Jericho and MJF than anything else. 
but they still, there has to be some sort of con- there has to be some sort of continuity. You know what I mean? And we're people who tolerate anime and shit like Dragon Ball, where you have a character like Goku who could go from being lighthearted and a happy family guy to an evil fighting, you know, superior warrior race. And it's just handled better than Sammy Guevara going from being in a fucking floppy jacket to being this angry guy with red lighting behind him. You know, it's just like I don't know. There had to be a better way to get there than that, man. I'll say it again. No MJF. That's the only thing with me is like MJF. If, if MJF wasn't there just to be an asshole, we would take Sammy seriously. But no, MJF has to be a dick. So it's like maybe that's just me. I don't know. But. All right. Anyway, take us to the well, sir. So take us home. We have the main event. Yeah, we had uh, bro, we had um, John Moxley and Lance Archer for the AEW Championship. Uh huh. And obviously, Moxley is still the champion here. Yeah, they, it wasn't as brutal as their Texas Death Match, but they definitely uh, revived some old spots from that one. Like they did the uh, paradigm shift through both tables. This one didn't look as bad, but then again, it's not those freaking murderous Japanese tables. So I uh-huh. guess that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, I guess the big highlight of this, and this is the way they choose to go off the air on their one-year anniversary episode, is with Eddie Kingston holding up the world title and their champion laid out on the ground fades to black, because that's the new feud is Eddie Kingston versus uh, John Moxley for the championship. Which is so funny, because my only takeaway from that was, oh yeah, Pentagon and Phoenix are fighting each other in the first round of that tournament. Yeah, and apparently the internet's been raving and they've been asking AEW to release and I don't know if they have released, but Eddie Kingston had a very passionate promo after the cameras turned off and it was captured on the phone and I don't know if it was released, but this is the phone footage here. <laughs> If you let him just turn loose, that motherfucker goes in with his promos. Okay. Yeah, I might need AEW to release that one. They've done it before. Good old A to the E to the W. And the other thing that they released was uh, apparently a new commercial for a little bit of the bubbly. Oh, yeah, because they restocked. Yeah, let's have a look here and see what this commercial is. 
Alright guys, here we go. Can't wait to see it! Oh my gosh, Chris! You've completely outdone yourself! But dead ass, yo, how is this even possible? I mean, look at the craftsmanship. It's so beautiful. Look how it turned out. It's absolutely exquisite. Drink what the demo god drinks. A little bit of the bubbly is back, baby. Supplies are limited. Go to littlebitofthebubbly.com and order now. Get it before it's gone, because last year sold out. Viva el vino brioso! I legit want to try that shit. You want to try a little bit of the bubbly? I really do. Like, if Jericho made it, it has to be good. Yeah, right? Of course he's going to have like, You know what's so funny? I thought about that when I saw this commercial the first time. It was just so funny that when he won the AEW world title, that was just a throwaway line. What, and leave it to fucking bubbly? Jericho to turn it into a brand. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Is it cheaper it really than the does. WWE wine? Yeah, that's what we put up here from last week, right? Did we ever put that up here? Yeah, yo, yeah, we did. Yeah, the fucking Undertaker and the Dana Warrior. Oh, I mean, Ultimate Warrior Ron. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Okay, well, that is your AEW news for the week. Let's move on to the competition over at NXT with the Virtual Thunderdome that they have. Uh, what was the first thing that happened in the, in the NXT? You had uh, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong uh, against Danny Burch and Oni Larkin because you got to be careful, man. That Oni Larkin is a crazed killer. Let's not forget that last week he took out Riddick Moss single-handedly. He dove on him and you made him Ridge, scream. Ridge Holland. I mean, I mean Ridge Holland. Right, right. Ridge Holland. <laughs> that was great. That Riddick Moss. Same shit. <laughs> That was great. I was I do I didn't think I heard it right. And I was like, wait a minute, a raw underground Rick <laughs> He came back already. Oh, I'll never get his name right. We'll never do it. That motherfucker will be 85 different names before we even get it right twice. <laughs> It'll be every R you can imagine. Yeah, but he was but the dangerous only Larkin who took out Rob Holland. <laughs> Good for him. Now we need to push that man. But we're not going to do it. Because uh, apparently the Undisputed Era is still going over here. You know, Larkin turning around for Roderick Strong's jumping knee. And the cover to go over. So they still want to go forward with the Undisputed Era. They just wanted to use Larkin as a hand. And he's not really even being acknowledged as what he is. The killer who took out freaking Ray Holland. This is going to be the greatest bit in Talk Friends history, all right? Like, so how many ways we could fuck up his name? So much of Photoshop Oni Larkin's face to, like, him carrying fucking uh, Ray Holland over his shoulder. Ooh. Ooh. If one of y'all out there is no Photoshop, all I'm saying. Yeah, they they talk about Finn Balor's shitty surgery and they show his neck and, and, and his jaw and everything because we really want to see that surgery. Thank you. Thanks for that. I really, I, I was thinking I really want to see details. Of this you know what surgery. They do now, like when, when they want to get over how badly somebody's hurt. Hey, here's footage from the surgery nobody asked for. Unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, we get, what's his name? We get that Ashanti Adonis guy against Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas going over. I did not care at all. Uh, what else did we get? 
Gargano versus Austin Theory, and Austin Theory totally went. I'm kidding. Gargano one final beat goes over. Mm-hmm. Um, Shotzi Blackheart against Candice LeRae, and this is a number one contenders match. Um, it's so funny. I don't. I guess it doesn't matter in a weird way, but I just thought it was funny how she's like the face of Halloween Havoc, and then she jobs on the match that gets you to Halloween Havoc. Like the whole thing. The was logic, like, right? It was like Happy Halloween, <laughs> like and all I, this I, shit. I and then it was the like, host? and I was thinking to myself, man, so this match is pretty much a spoiler because I already know that she's on the cover of the whole thing. She's the whole logo of it. It's Halloween Havoc, and she has to make it there, and she fucking didn't. Like, like, I was like, oh wow, they actually surprised me. Because here's the thing, watch it. I'm gonna make this logic look even worse. Okay, she's apparently the host of Halloween Havoc. Why is she in a number one contenders match then? I don't know. I don't know oh, why. She's going to pull double duty? What? That's what she would have done probably. I guess that's what they're, they're assuming. But it's weird because when I just saw that, I thought that she'd have some sort of more of a hook than as being the host there. But no, she winds up dropping out here. That was literally my exact thought when I saw this. I was like, so you're just telling me Lorraine's going over. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Grimes shits on the main event, hitting Dexter Loomis with the stomp when the ref wasn't looking, giving Damien Priest an unaware assist. So, fantastic stuff there. Um, what else happens? Anything else they want to uh, talk about? Tony Storm made her debut. Went over uh, Aaliyah with Storm Zero. Mm-hmm. Also, um, the reason why uh, freaking Candace winds up going over Shotzi is because of that fan, the fangirl. What's her name again that keeps assisting her? Uh, let me find her name. She is... What's her name? Um, Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell. Yeah, Indy yeah. She, she's basically been following the uh, Gargano way. Yeah, exactly. So it's more of her... Pr- Proving her faith to them. So. Yeah, so Drake Maverick's once again trying to bond with Killian Dane with new outfits and stuff. They're going to have a match against Imperium. Uh, Tony Storm goes over Lee in a quick match with freaking Storm Zero. Yeah. Uh, Regal did announce that Halloween Havoc. This is going to be fun. We're going to get Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting. Maybe that's Raquel Gonzalez will be the one that headlines WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> you know I wouldn't even be mad at it. <laughs> We'll have to That's ask Triple H. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fabian Meichner and, and Marcel Bartel go up against Maverick and Killian Dane. Imperium this time going over um, because Eichner tags in Bartel and they wind up hitting that European bomb. Uh, That's a nasty looking furniture. Yeah. And like we said about the main event with Dexter, with Damian Priest and Dexter Loomis, with freaking Trevor Lee being the one that ruins it here, Damian Priest going over. And uh, yeah, then, then the Gar- Gargano basically. Uh, Hits Damien Priest with a chair and uh, basically takes him out. And then, like, Gargano, it's kind of awkward because Gargano and Candace, they're standing over this guy. He's unconscious on the floor. And then Regal comes out behind them. And now the three of them are standing there. And your baby face is just on the floor laid out. But you're still, like, promoing over him. Like, well, guys, you just took this guy out that's laying here. They still probably need some sort of fucking medical attention. So we're going to talk to you about what's going to happen next week, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I hate oh, when they do that. Like, yo, can we be, can we act like something just went down? Like, there's a guy on the floor right here, you know. But uh, yeah, basically, what happens is Shotzi is announced as the host, and she says that their fate's going to be determined by a wheel, and she spins the wheel, and then the show ends before we get to see what the wheel lands on. I kind of see now why certain things happen tonight. They're going with a theme. We're just going to soprano everything. Fuck it. <sighs> just everything's going out just mid set. Well, Dynamite did. 826,000 viewers with a point 30 in the 18 to 49 demographic versus NXT 651,000 with the point 17 to the 18 to 49 demographic. Once again, squashing them by 175,000 views. 
everybody's up, but they're still getting their asses kicked. To top things off, Cody Rhodes basically tweeted uh, saying that in the UK, AEW has five times the audience of NXT, twice as much as SmackDown, and almost double that of Raw. So, yeah, they're pretty much kicking everybody's ass overseas. Yeah. And then he even put some information there, like he put up a screenshot. I guess I'll throw it up on here so we could see what he's showing up here. I guess these are just the stats in action. So if anybody wanted to see it officially on there, let's see what it says. Hey, AEW Dynamite is beating the first beating the first run broadcast of its competitors in the UK for audience volume. Dynamite's audience is five times. These are pretty much what we said here. It's also double of impact. Double of impact, which had been airing in the same slot as Dynamite. So yeah. They're doing really good over there. Congratulations to them. They're kicking ass. There's definitely success there. You know, it's a matter of if there's going to be growth there. I think what it is, and I kind of thought about it a little bit during Raw. I think when it comes to like the more casual fans, they've kind of like they've they've pretty much had their lines set when it comes to AEW. Like they're riding with this till the wheels fall off. But I think for us, like people like you and me, some of the people in our community, the more hardcore fans. I think for us, it's like, okay, it needs to get way better. But for the more casual ones, we're like, it's freaking great. Like, casual yeah. fans don't ask for as much, you know? Yeah, I agree with you there. They, they, they're, they're like those, that 170,000 fan difference, they're just literally asking for something that hasn't been what they were dealing with since before AEW showed up. Yeah. Well, they they need to tighten things up, though, you know? Yeah. Oh like, yeah, most it definitely. Just, it just I'm just desensitized to all of the crazy high spot and fast action shit that they're doing, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't help that freaking Ring of Honor and New Japan are back now too, so. Yeah. Which speaking Which, of By the t- way, people, somehow by the power of Grey Skull, I made it through the fucking G1. Good job, man. I'm still behind you so we will not be covering it all this week, but speaking of it, it's yeah. time to talk a little about it and we're going to start up where we left off with the G1 Climax Night 7, the September 30th episode block A. Minoru Suzuki against Yujiro Takahashi with the finish being Suzuki's gotch pile driver. Very short, sweet, simple match here. Any yeah, thoughts on this much. one? I mean, they, yeah, this, I mean, Yujiro, God, poor Yujiro can't catch a break this G1. I think, this, I think up until this point, he had not won yet. But uh, it was kind of funny, like when you mentioned the fact that it was a pretty short and sweet match. That's kind of with a certain people, it's been the theme of their G1 get in and get out. Like Suzuki, yeah. Suzuki kind of grinds it out a little bit if he wants to get in your head, but he 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 pretty much not getting paid for the hour for the most part. Like this was a smash mouth affair, especially on his end. But I wasn't surprised to see him go over. Yeah, especially because they do keep in mind the accumulative time that people have spent in this tournament since it's like the day to day tournament. You know what I mean? There's people who like for their total for their total time they've been in here for hours. Like I think Tanahashi's been in here literally. I think along with the full time of a day. Yeah, exactly. Because I know consistently Tanahashi, and of course, this luckily won't be spoiling anything. Tanahashi's been having the longest matches all G1. Yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker rides his matches out. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for stopping by. It can be gone. It can be gone. I don't know if I'm saying your name correctly. Hopefully. I hope to see you next time, man. Yeah, come back. Kota Ibushi versus Jeff Cobb with the finish being Kota going over with the Kamagoye. Abushi is on fire this G1. <laughs> yeah, very solid what stuff. What I'm liking with the Kamagoye, though, is you're not seeing him have to hit it more than once. It's one. Like, they are getting over how nasty that move is. 
like they've been doing it all G one. They've been doing the best. I've seen somebody get a move over. Yeah. And uh, you know, Jeff Cobb taking nothing away the way he deadlifts and throws people around that at that F five thousand that he does and everything, which essentially is like an uh, like Brock Lesnar's move on steroids. He just basically F five and releases you out into the ether and lets you just spin. That's wild. That's really crazy. <laughs> Jeff Cobb is a freak of nature. Yeah. He's definitely something to be uh to be feared, and I'm glad he looks really good. He's gotten to great yeah, shape. He took this I'll very seriously. Now I don't know when, but Jeff Cobb's winning the G one. I don't know when it's going to happen, but that guy has a G one win in him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna have to see what's going to happen there. Uh, we got Tai Chi versus Okada, and uh, the finish being Okada with the money clip. It finally pays off. He was able to get Tai Chi with it, huh? Which um, it's kind of funny. Um, I can't remember specifically what night I heard this, but. Rocky uh Rocky Romero actually clarified it's not even that he's abandoning the Rainmaker. Okada's challenging himself. He wants to see what he can do without having to go to that Rainmaker, but it's not like it's not in his back pocket. So you're seeing him force the money clip and go over stuff like tombstones and all kinds of other different ways to win, not because he's completely abandoned this move, it's because he wants to challenge himself to win without it. Yeah. I see what you're coming from. It's a very Okada thing. Right, but it would be a very Okada thing also to win, you know, so don't, yeah. like, sacrifice what you're doing at the expense of the freaking money clip, you know? Yeah. Right, so I get the I get the logic, though. I guess a good angle for him, you know? Yeah. Uh, Will Ospreay against Jay White being company, of course, by Ghetto, because you have to have the the freaking bullet club here. Let's finish being Ospreay going over Jay White with Stormbreaker, despite Ghetto fucking around throughout this. <laughs> fucking Ghetto. You know what the bad part is with Ghetto? Was that he's coming in, he's interfering so much, he almost it, it's making it easier for the other guy because it's like you always constantly keep a second eye on him because you know he's there, like mm-hmm. you know he's not going to be there. But that storm surge looks rough, like that storm surge looks um, it looks disoriented as all hell. Yeah, he does noticed, really good. Uh-huh, go ahead. I noticed he hasn't been connecting with that hidden blade yet. I've been waiting to see him hit somebody with that move, yeah, because that is a nasty finisher, like that's a kill shot, pretty much. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, definitely glad to see Osprey. He's definitely come a long way, and like he has a lot more charisma than even when he was super over. Like even going back to his original Ricochet match, the infamous one when the, sec- the rest of the world was exposed to indie wrestling for like the first real time. Even going back to that, he's become a freaking change train wrestling secrets from hell. Yeah, he's gotten more charisma since then. And I like the fact that since he's bulked up, it's become like he's a lot more. He's he's just, just I think the muscle they put on has been benefiting him a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They've been going back to that a lot. The fact that he bulked up quite a bit, and that's been doing wonders for him. Mm-hmm. Main event of night seven, block A, Tomohiro Ishii against Shingo Takagi, with the finish being Ishii's vertical drop brain buster. And uh, this match was what you would hope. This was a crazy, hard-hitting match to the point where you would feel the blows. To the point you where could, you would really feel you the could, pain You here. could close your eyes and still enjoy this match the same. Because you hear everything. <laughs> it's funny to me that like in even in his older age, Ishii's still intimidating. Very intimidating. His walk to the ring, like it looks like you're looking for the escape route. Yeah, definitely. I do love Shingo's aggression though. I even love this one sequence where he charges at him. He's laying out as hard as he can with one of with a, with a hard running lariat. It was almost a false finish. And he cries out, This is the end for you in Japanese. He goes, Korero Warira as he's running at him. I thought that was just a really cool moment. <laughs> <It was dope. laughs> 
yeah, good stuff for uh, very excellent block A stuff going on here. I will say that much. Yeah, at this point, I believe for block A, uh, the standings for the points, I actually even have them in front of me. Jay White, Taichi, Osprey, Abushi, and Suzuki all tied with six. Okada's at four. Jeff Cobb, um, Shingo, and Ishii all have two. And unfortunately, poor uh, Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro was at the bottom with no points. Yeah, he had a rough time up, up to this point. Which brings us to night eight, October 8th, block B, starting off with Toriano against Juice Robinson. And for the first fucking time, Juice winds up going over. Toro losing here, you know. Uh, so I'm surprised the, the the Yano streak was broken. Yeah, Yano had won his first three matches up until this point. Somebody finally caught him. Yeah. You know, Juice hopping to the ring tied up. He almost broke his neck falling forward. You got to be careful when he got his legs tied and he's hopping. You got to be really careful with that spot. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. I liked a little bit of outsmarting. And, of course, you know, this guy pulling off the uh, turnbuckle path. What are they called again? Jim and Mary or some shit Jim like that. Jim and Mary. I noticed oh later on the G1, they started getting different names. Like, I guess it depends on the post. Is that a Kevin Kelly joke or is that a Toriano thing? I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel like that's, I feel like that's a Yano thing. Something in the back of my head tells me it's a Yano thing. Oh, boy. But it's kind of funny, like, I mentioned guys who literally do not got, do, don't get paid by the hour. Yano's a prime example. He gets, his matches are short in G1. Yeah, he has like, the most, he has the least time in the ring. He gets the, the most efficient use of his time. Yeah. Cause, and it's because he, like, it's like I said before with uh, Night One, he's a thinker. He, he doesn't have to outpower you. He doesn't have to outstrike you. He'll catch you the moment you're not paying attention. And he's constantly looking for that moment. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. So, uh, what was next? We had Hiroki Goto against Zack Sabre Jr. The finish being Goto hits the Ushiguroshi roundhouse kick. Goes for the GTR, but Zack counters that into a roll-up for the win. Basically, this roll-up is called the European Leg Clutch. Yeah, one of those crazy-looking uh, cradle different pins that uh, Sabre has. Because he has a few. He has like two or three of them in his arsenal. And his pins I've never, ever seen from anyone else but him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zack Sabre looking great as always. Another guy who it's interesting to see he spent most of his career in Japan. Hasn't really moved too much from there. And, uh, you know, just looking solid. Dude's been having an awesome G1. I mean, Goto. Oh, Goto's been having a rough G1 because his shoulder. And this is one thing I love with G1. How, like I said before, it feels like a grind like no other. Because Goto's been dealing with that injury he got from Kenta. All G1. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they keep reminding you about it as this thing's going on. And uh, unfortunately, forget when people bust it up. Yeah, and he struggles through it, but he's been putting on good matches, though. You know, I will give him credit for that. Yeah, he's fighting through it the best he can, which, I mean, good for the love of God. 19 mm-hmm. nights of this madness you got to with that one. So then we have uh, Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, going up against Yoshihashi. Finish being the high fly flow. Tanahashi going over. Taking nothing away from the performance of Yoshihashi, and this will put some of his best matches on. They're definitely grooming this guy to be uh, a top tier talent going forward, and someone who's probably going to hold IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in the future. I would say. Yeah, that's one thing I like with the with the G One. Everybody in that G One, if they haven't been champion, there's potential for them to be champion down the road. Like, there's no slacker. There's no like. There's no. Kind of, I guess, low tier when it comes to the G1. It's literally all the best of the best. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. 
I think that's what makes it so hard sometimes to pick winners when it comes to that one. You really don't know who's going to be who. Yeah, so Tanahashi has been spending the most time in the ring, but he's still able to uh, manage to get a win and go through here. So Yeah, barely pulled one out, but he's got it. Yeah, exactly. Now we get some Bullet Club on Bullet Club action because you get Kenta versus Evil being accompanied by Dick Togo. And the finish being a low blow from Togo on Kenta, followed by Everything is Evil. Because early on in this match, Togo made his alliances quite clear when he two-sweeted. He did not declined the two-sweet to Kenta, but gave one to Evil. They're low sweets, as I'll call it from now on. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty what they the are. The sweet and lows. That's what they are. The sweet, sweet and lows. The yeah. sweet and lows. That's what remember we coined it here. They got their little sweet and lows. Now they do it underhand, right? Like a softball, not like a baseball. Sweet and lows. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you son of a bitch. How did you do that to me? <laughs> when oh, you're like, which I kind of, with the way this Bullet Club's been, it was kinda, it was eventual. It was eventually going to happen, especially with multiple members being in the same block. The, the the personalities start to clash. Yeah, but lots of cheating. Kent even taking out Togo with the briefcase. They, you would almost think that they were in a stable with the way that they were treating each other. Like, this Bullet Club isn't even good for each other, you know? Yeah. The, no the one one there. thing that the original Bullet Club had was that everybody's personalities meshed together and they're on the same page. Everybody in this Bullet Club thinks they're the top dog. Are they still okay though? Like after that, because I don't even know if one if it was followed up. Like, are they still the Bullet Club after that happened, or is there a dissension now? Um. Well, I, I'll put it like if they do follow up on some of that that's going on. Okay, good. So yeah. we'll leave it there then. It, it, it is an ongoing thing, but you'll kind of you'll, you'll you'll see where it where it, um. Starts to go as it gets later in G1. Nice, nice. Main event of Night 8, Block B being Tetsuya Naito going against Sonata. The finish here being Sonata going over Naito with two consecutive moonsaults. Now, this yep. is funny because we went from Bullet Club on Bullet Club action to Los Ingobernables LIJ action. And it goes to show the different dynamic here because there was still respect here afterwards. Yeah, because LIJ has always kind of had the aura where it's like, it's not just me and then LIJ. It's all of us. They've always had a unity, which is why evil turning was such a big deal because it's literally like a, it's it's like a family. Yeah, and that was weird so, to do, you know. So, so, so like with Sonata and um, Naito, it was just like I mean, it's G one. We're in the same block. We're gonna have to fight eventually. Yeah, exactly. But this so. was also a big deal for another reason because. As they've stated before with G1, if you pin a champion, you're entitled to title shot. Yeah. So Sonata has a title shot waiting for him somewhere down the road, probably as soon as maybe a power struggle, which is their next event. Which is very interesting that that happened that way with him holding both titles. We talked about that on here, how the possibility of when you pin someone who's a champion that puts you in the future out of this tournament as a number one contender, which that has some more matches with an LIJ uh, in the horizon. Yeah, because I believe... um, I think it's Kevin Kelly has mentioned before. I think Naito said that he wants to defend his belt separately. Like he doesn't want to always have it where both belts are on the line. So I guess it's going to kind of determine. It's going to it's going to kind of be determined by what Sonata wants to do. Does he just want to go after just the IC title, just the heavyweight title? Does he want to go after both? Right. Yeah. Which we really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff here. What What were your overall thoughts? Um. On with how they placed the standings in the tournament up until this point. I mean, yeah, up until this point, first of all, by this time I am exhausted. But uh, <laughs> it was kind of weird when you saw certain things happen, like 
what I like about the G1, and I like more going through the entire thing, you literally do not know who's going to win on certain nights. Like, if we're going anywhere else, Sana- I mean, um, Naito's world champion, of course, he's going over. But now you have a case of a, somebody like a Sonata where it's somebody who knows him well enough. So it's not almost not a shock that Sonata wins. And it's kind of like we said, when you have two factions where two members fight each other, you're seeing opposite stories. You're seeing Evil and Kenta, where Dick Togo almost kind of causes an issue, being the fact that he was able to, without missing a beat, low blow Kenta and cost him the match. Where you see Sonata and Naito, where they tear the house down, Sonata wins, and then it's like, but hey, no hard feelings. So it's kind of, it, it puts little feelers out there. So now what I like about this is that they made it to where now you're not just thinking about, okay, who's leading in the block. Now you're thinking, okay, are Evil and Kenta going to be okay? Like, what's this going to do when it comes to Jay White and everybody else in Bullet Club who's in G1? And then it's like, you look at the other scenarios we talk about at Tanahashi. One thing that's been a point that they've been making is the fact that it's not that Tanahashi doesn't have another G1 in him because Rocky Romero's even said he won G1 two years ago. That's not really that long for that's not really that far away for a G1. So it's not like he doesn't still have another win in him. It's just can he? Because like you say with G1, you don't want to hang around forever. Tanahashi's been having the longest matches every single night. And that always factors into it. That will come back and bite you. But I'm surprised that Tanahashi has stayed healthy this long, having these almost half-hour-long matches. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, unfortunately, we do have to get to the Hell in a Cell, the voting polls. There's a lot of different things coming up tonight. So we're going to pick up next week following continuing with October 5th episode, Block A of Night 9. And uh, we're probably going to have to do have a have a long binge of stuff because we're going to have to go all the way to the finals to the end and do the outcome next week. So you got that yeah. to look forward to. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit because these are the season premieres of the WWE brands here. And as you guys know, whenever they do the season premiere tradition on this show, is we talk about the new logos that they release, which they released new logos, as you can see here. Uh, this was who they are deciding the top guys are generally. And when we look at this one, you got Roman Reigns, the Street Profits, Otis, Seth Rollins, Bailey, and Sasha Banks. This looks like these are the faces of SmackDown. So, any thoughts on this? Yeah, can't disagree with it. That's a lot of star power in that group. Yeah, I mean, everyone here works. You know, there's no one here who isn't over. They have a really strong starting group here. And you go over to the Raw group. Uh, what do we got here? I haven't looked at these yet, by the way. So you got Drew McIntyre, Charlotte, who I guess they're I'm assuming is going to be coming back. The Fiend, Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton, and Asuka. Once again, a lot of star power. Less people on the Raw one. And I notice a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they don't see Mustafa Ali. You don't really see any Keith Lee. You know what I mean? You don't see, <laughs> any, you don't see any hurt business. Like you could see here, they have a clear cut path, assuming that this is what they're going by. And it doesn't really include a lot of the people that they're using the most. Oh. Yeah, like it, anybody from the like, even maybe Lashley, I would have accepted Lashley being on here, but yeah, just a lot less on the raw end. Yeah, I'm not so, sure how to feel about that. Like, yeah, no, it's definitely different. Definitely different. Like you would think, you would think you'd have an even number on either end. Yeah, but that's because one show's longer than the other one, and also we're hearing uh According to Wrestling Observer, they were saying that they wanted to move some angles over to Fox in order to keep the Fox executives happy. Uh, because at the end of the day, 
USA is going to be locked to Raw no matter what happens going forward because they need the show on the USA Network, you know, because of the ratings. Where Fox doesn't need SmackDown, WWE needs Fox. So that's the ones that they're going to try to cater to. So this is the reason why they move people like Rollins and the Mysterios and Murphy because they wanted an interesting angle to start happening on Fridays. Um, you know, this is the reason why they have Roman Reigns over there. You know, they're trying to put things over there to try to please those executives. So that's more or less what their logic is of when they're moving people around. Thank you for the host, Pixie Starla. Much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, hey, it makes sense. If USA isn't letting Raw go for any reason, there's no sense nothing. Whereas Fox could literally just pull the plug at any moment. You're going to give the bigger stories to the place you need to impress. And that's essentially what's happening here. You know, they're shuffling everyone around, everyone's roles, everyone's functions are being shuffled, and there's a reason for that. Uh, Paul Heyman, for an example, as we we uh, we spoke about, he was in creative, and he spoke recently to Ariel Helwani, um, and he actually spoke about why he got released from being the creative guy behind Raw. I'm going to link you guys to the entire thing, but I want you guys to hear this, and right afterwards, Dustin, you tell me what your thoughts are on this. Why I am no longer the executive director of Monday Night Raw is because I served at the pleasure of the chairman, Vince McMahon. And there came a day where I was no longer at the pleasure of the chairman, Vince McMahon. Um, when I took the role as executive director, I made an agreement with Vince McMahon. I want this job as long as every morning Vince McMahon woke up, he said, thank God, or or what whatever deity he subscribes to paul Heyman is looking after the store on raw and the day that vince mcmahon didn't wake up and feel that way i didn't want the job anymore i've been in a similar role when vince was not happy with me and it's a miserable existence i didn't want it and apparently on that day at that given time at that given moment vince didn't wake up that morning thanking whatever deity he subscribes to, that Paul Heyman was in charge of Raw. We left with a smile, a handshake, and a hug. And absolutely no harsh feelings. And actually, better feelings about each other because of the way that it ended, because it's ended miserably before. Uh, and proof positive of that is on the quarterly earnings call, when asked about Paul Heyman, Vince McMahon didn't say, ah, oh, we needed a new vision. Ah, oh, we needed someone else. Ah, oh, he ran his course. Ah, oh, he was great, but, but we had a ghost with, with this other person. Vince McMahon's only comment was, I thought Paul Heyman did a, whatever adjective he used, great job or fantastic, whatever adjective he used, creatively. So it was time. My, my, my run in terms of serving at the pleasure of the chairman was up. And then this opportunity presented itself, both for me for Roman and for WWE and we all jumped on it. Yeah, so that sounds like it was it was a lot more uh civilized than it usually goes for them, right? Yeah, I mean with Paul Heyman's history of getting let go from places, that sounds like that went pretty civil. And just for the record, I wrote it down, whatever deity he subscribes to. <laughs> I like that one, whatever deity he subscribes to. I heard it and I was like, yep, there it is. But yeah, I mean one thing I noticed, one thing I found interesting was that he said pretty much he was going to hang around until Vince got tired of him. The only thing about that is I've known, we've seen sometimes Vince will switch up on something so fast. I don't know if you ever want to limit yourself to that. Like, give you, like, almost, I like, if I, if I want to stick around for five years, I give myself five years. 
Whereas I want to stick around for five years, but I'm like, hey, if Vince gets tired of me in a month and a half, I'm out. You know, I mean, it's not yeah. like you have that much say over it, but I wouldn't want to limit myself that much yeah. because then I don't know how long I'm staying or going. And as you can see, it could be at any given moment. Yeah, literally the drop of a hat. Vince could just be like, yeah, time to go. <laughs> so Heyman was a victim of the creative changes in which we are seeing across the board. According to PW Insider, 205 Live is going to more than ever be also changed because it's going to be more under the NXT umbrella. Which, for those of you that don't know, uh, the NXT creative staff are now directing all aspects of the series. Mick Foley's son, Dewey Foley, is going to continue to be the lead writer of 205 Live. But we're going to have the rest of the creative team, I guess, sort of in, um, incorporating it closer into NXT. Which, to be honest, I almost forget that uh, 205 Live exists sometimes. Like, when's the last time you've watched Almost. Them? I forget. Yeah, like, it's just too much wrestling. It's nothing against the show. I like what they're doing on there. But when when does anyone have time? That's the oversaturation I was talking about that worried me. Yeah, like, especially because it comes off, it comes out literally directly after SmackDown. Like, it's not like SmackDown ends, then you get, like, another show in between, and then 205. It's SmackDown, bang, right into 205. And the title never changes on it. Yeah, it's just, they just straight go through. It's like you. I feel like what would have benefited two hundred five a little bit, maybe throw something in between there. Give everybody that minute to kind of like reset. Like you can't just go. You can't take me from one show straight to the other. And it's not even live anymore. Yeah, that's even worse. So maybe it will be someday after all of this is over. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll actually be two hundred five live instead of two hundred five taped. Like who's even on there? <laughs> the cruiserweight guys they don't use on NXT. Leon Ruff. There you go. Leon Ruff is up there. I'm a so, feature. So those are the creative changes that are going around uh in regards to uh the season premiere of SmackDown and uh Raw. SmackDown, again I'm just gonna cherry pick. I don't want to stay here for the entire night with this. But SmackDown uh opens up with the McMahons reintroducing the show and then it just ba- breaks into a, a meaningless brawl you know I what i mean when they do that shit like it was kind of like welcome to smackdown meaningless brawl I, like you know? that's why I, you know what it is? that's why i started hating like whenever they do like season premieres or like reboots because everybody just starts fighting for no reason that was almost as bad as the the one time TNA was fighting in my neck of the woods. It was on the streets of Manhattan beating each other oh up. Oh my god, I remember that. And that was the opening. It was like, come on. I man, was wrong. Oh. You know. And then, and then remember Kurt Eagle was trying to make matches in amongst all that shit? Yeah. That's all crap. Uh, Lars Sullivan has a match against Jeff Hardy. Um, Not really liking Sullivan's work. Don't really care for it. I thought Jeff Hardy was going to be getting a push. What happened? They, 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 they don't somebody's win-loss record doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean pushes anymore. Sullivan goes over with the freak accident. And actually, now that uh, I think about it, this was Jeff's last night on SmackDown. Now that I think about it, so... Yeah. Yeah, that just made more sense. Okay. I guess. If he was already drafted to Raw, why would he have to have his last night on SmackDown? I guess they'll have because nights, Because they right? like to do farewell matches for no reason. Right, so that was the way it ends. They just job him out on SmackDown. That's how his SmackDown storyline ends. Yeah, uh, the lost new- a bitch. Yeah, speaking of farewells, the new they come down to have their farewell match with Big E and then they give a speech. Here's my issue. Okay. I don't think that the piped in crowd noise is necessary during a dramatic send off speech like with the new day. Like that would have worked better with silence because the crowd would not have been doing that 
crowd usually for moments like that is pretty quiet. And even if they're not, I think it's more appropriate if somebody's doing a send off and it's dramatic. Why do, why would the crowd sound like that? What, if you're going to do a crowd thing, don't you have the fucking intelligence to pipe it in properly? Like if I had a crowd thing on here, do you think that it would ever be off key? Or just doing something it shouldn't fucking be doing. You don't you have somebody that's a common sense. This is why I couldn't work for that company because I would be like Paul Heyman or like or like Jim Cornette. I'd legit be slapping motherfuckers across the back of their heads for this. <laughs> like you don't have the fucking intelligence. It's like a million people back here, and all you got to do is manage the fucking crowd noise. And the bad part about it is, at this point, like they, they they should just not have crowd noise at all because it never it it never sounds like. Wait a minute, that's coming from the screens. I'm it's like, awful. no, you it's fuckers awful. pipe that in. And it's because of the way they use it. It's because of the way that they use it that makes it shitty. It was uh, off-key tonight with freaking New Day. So it's like, no, stop with the crowd noise. That being said, the final New Day match is a six-man against Cesaro, Nakamura, and Sheamus, which I was very interested to see because it was essentially a bar reunion. Because remember, let's not forget that uh, freaking Cesaro and Sheamus were the bar. They were tag team champions, and they were formidable against the New Day for a very long time. There's some history in there. And I'm glad that they didn't just gloss over it. The actual commentary brings this up, as well as the bar. You get to see a lot of their old-school double teams and taunts during this. Um, yeah, shoot, I mean, the bar was the team that ended that record-breaking tag run, so. Yeah, so there's some good double teams on both sides. Speaking of, um, I like Xavier Woods' Uranagi backstabber combo, a.k.a. Morning Woods is what they're calling it. Um mm-hmm. Everything's really cool here that was happening. I say keep Cesaro, Sheamus, and Nakamura together since you have teams of trios. You just lost a team of trio. You could use another one because you have a good assortment of offensive and, and um, defensive moves as well as double teams, and you have a cool history of it as well. You know what I mean? Like how many, how often can you say in WWE besides a team like the New Day um, that you would have a team where, for example, if you put Cesaro and Sheamus in a match together and one tags the other, they're guaranteed to have double teams as the bar that they use to fuck people up. But... If Cesaro was to tag in Nakamura, they're guaranteed to have double teams that they use together as Cesaro and Nakamura when they've been fucking people up as tag team. You see what I mean? Like you have like a really cool dynamic there where you got these three guys. You know what I mean? And then you build on the one that you haven't done anything with, with yet, which would be Sheamus and Nakamura. And that's the beauty of when you have these trios, these free bird type trios where you can have stuff like that happen. And this one sort of built itself organically because no one knew that the Sheamus and Cesaro uh, thing was going to work out. And no one damn sure knew that the, that the Cesaro and Nakamura thing was going to go out. The moral of the story is that Cesaro is a good tag team partner. And him saying that sometimes he's Rick and sometimes he's Scott Steiner must be the fucking truth because he's compatible with anybody. Now you have a team yeah. of three people where Cesaro sometimes will be Rick and sometimes be Scott Steiner in the same match. I'm all for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, but so. unfortunately, we live in the island of broken tag teams, so Zaro and Nakamura <laughs> getting broken up in a week. You know what the sad yeah. part about it is? I, was, I tried to get excited, but then I remembered what company this was, and I was like, oh. But it was good. You know what yeah, I mean? There was no reason not to be excited. It was a good match. Yeah, you know? that, match was a, that match was a lot of fun for them for that to be, which... I, I hate when people say this. New Day has not broken up, all right? One member is on... They've even said this before. One member is on one show and the other two are on the other. Because if they can't, because if they were broken out, you wouldn't have seen the New Day Tron tonight. Yeah, well, I was going to actually mention like, that to you. It's kind of like, like, like you, you want to break them up. Has to split. It just goes to show you that, that they don't really have any plans for them to actually be split when the whole storyline <laughs> is the fact that they're split. You know what I mean? Like, when, like for, a, for a faction to split up, all all the members have to go their separate ways. You can't have two as a tag team and then one on the other show doing his own thing and then be like, oh, they're split. It doesn't work that way. That's not how splits work. You know, and that's something that they seem oh. to fail to realize in this company. Like, it's funny when I saw so many fans talking about it and I'm like, 
Do we forget that, like, forget there was Bullet Club in ROH and in New Japan? Bullet Club wasn't split up. They were spread out. There's a difference. Yeah. Like, everybody was so quick to be like, oh, they broke the New Day up. And I'm like, no, they didn't. But it also just feels like something that's completely unnecessary. You know what I mean? In defense yeah, of their reaction, needed. it just felt like, hey, let's just break them up just to break them up. You know, there was like yeah. no logic to it. There was no reasoning, no rhyme, no reason, no nothing. It was just kind of like, just because we have this team here. We're going to break them up or we're just going to fuck around with them, you know, and it's one of the few things they have that works. You know what I mean? It's not to say it that they're covered in work. things that are working wonderfully. And it's just like they just don't have enough room for all their wonderful things that are happening. You know, it's like one of the few things that was consistent, which right now I think in the world what most people are looking for in their entertainment is consistency. Something that reminds them of when things were OK. So stop taking away that kind of shit. That seems to be like the whole theme of their show, doesn't it? I think every like I, like it's to the point I had to think about that shit tonight. I was like, wait a minute, they're tag team champions. What teams do they have to face? Like, yeah. just stop touching stuff for a little while. <laughs> yeah, but they go over. Of course, Shame's being the one to job. He has the least going on right now. Uh, yeah. You know, midnight hour. Uh, anything else of significance happen? I'm trying to think of. I'm doing this. Oh, uh, we got Daniel head, Bryan back for the first time in a long time. Yes. Yeah, so you have Daniel Bryan back, and he's celebrating. Which, by the way, what would have been better is if he wasn't standing at the top of the ramp during the Triple H Stephanie thing. Like Daniel Bryan's coming back for the first time, so the first time I want to see him is when his music hits. That's how returns usually work. Not just have him standing on the top like he's part of the fucking class coming off of the school bus with everybody else. And I'm supposed to get excited about him later. This is just basic fucking television 101. You unveil the return of the guy later on. You know, I don't know why they don't do it. It's ironic that I accidentally left Heyman's face up there this whole fucking time. (laughs) Can I just move? (laughs) Because this is stuff he wouldn't have done. Yeah, bro. (laughs) Wouldn't have happened if Paul was here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan's out there. And then you have... uh, basically seth rollins who shows up and he's happy to greet him and daniel bryan calls him stupid you know he basically says that your reason for uh everything that you do your whole I, i've been watching your messiah shit and i think that the whole thing's stupid and like he just insults him by calling him stupid and then this causes uh freaking rollins to hit him and beat him up which is like pretty much the beginning of like uh of like the feud that they had which that's you hearing me queuing something up because one of the points that i was going to make was look I'm as excited as anybody else to get this feud. This is a go-to feud. What disappoints me about a feud like this is that they're not going to something like this because of the history that these two guys have. Let me tell you something. Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan can show people some shit that they have yet to see. You know what I mean? And it's just unfortunate to me that uh, with the way things are now, it had to be over the thing being called stupid. You know? Yeah, It's such a petty reason for what Literally, we're about to get Tyler Black versus Daniel Bryanson all over again because somebody called somebody else stupid. Yeah. But, yeah, that being said, when you start to see the kind of matches that these guys have and when you know the history that the two of them are and the kind of performances they could put together, I can't think of anything else in WWE right now that they could put on autopilot as easily as this feud is going to be. All the Messiah shit aside and all of the yes, yes, yesing aside, WWE didn't need a storyline to promote the great wrestling that, that something like this has the potential to have. So I am excited on one hand, if we're going to look at the SmackDown stuff that's going on, I am excited about the fact that we do get that. We get two people who really can turn it up in the ring. If they decide to allow them to, and they allow it to be that kind of a feud, this is something that can be fantastic. That's my problem is like, they need to just keep their hands out of it. Just put them in the ring, ring the bell, let them fight. 
Yeah. And again, and you have as you, anyone who's watching the video on the channel, this is what they have to compete against. They have to compete against the old school versions of these guys and the things that they were able to do back then and the brutality in their matches and the technical prowess in these matches has to be something that comes into play. I don't give a shit about whether he thinks the Messiah thing is stupid as much as I want to see the match, you know? So if you're going to yeah, give it to us, give it to us. This was probably yeah. done with zero storyline whatsoever. It was just like, hey, welcome to ROH this week. Daniel Brian Danielson versus Tyler Black. Let's do it. Let's- yeah. So uh, essentially, this this entire thing winds up with the Mysterio showing up to help Daniel Bryan, and then Murphy even slides in the ring, and he winds up hitting Rollins, but the Mysterios don't trust him because he doesn't want maybe he doesn't want anybody fucking his daughter. Yeah. You know? It's too late. Yeah. And in the uh, by the way, just a side note here: the Tron had Goldberg on it. It also had some other people because Fox requested there being celebrities and star power for the SmackDown premiere, so they used whoever they had contracted. It doesn't mean they're going to return. They just grabbed faces and threw them up there. Um, main event was uh Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman with Braun tapping out in the submission, despite Michael Cole saying that Braun freaking tapped. He didn't, I believe. Braun even addressed it on social media. He shitted on Michael Cole or something like that. Um, yeah, but Braun the whole passed out. Yeah, he passed out in the hold. Whereas, like, Roman beats the fuck out of his body with the chair, and he's showing Jay that this is what he doesn't want to have to do to him. He doesn't want to. If I could do this to him, imagine what I can do to you. Jay gets in the ring, and uh, he doesn't hit, even though Roman exposes his back for Jay to get a free shot. He doesn't hit him with the chair, but he winds up punching him. And then it goes into a uh, like, Roman. They do to all the king's old, all the king's horses and all the king's men, but Roman winds up diving into a Superman punch, taking Jay out. Roman learned he's not as much of a messiah as his shield brethren because he put his arms out and shit. You know, he did the whole messiah thing and Jay was like, no, I'll just punch his ass then. You know, you're not going to get far that way. Heyman tweets out and he says, the pain Roman Reigns is feeling is called, quote unquote, heartbreak. Jay Uso has broken the heart of a man who feeds the entire family. This is not going to end well. There will be consequences. So that's the Paul Heyman tweet right there in regards to exactly what the hell is going to happen. Uh, and yeah, apparently we're being told that Triple H was the one that held together this SmackDown and he's getting a lot of praise. You know, there was some good stuff and I don't know if it was great enough to be like, oh, thank you for saving SmackDown, the kind of shit that I'm hearing about here. But they did uh, almost 2 million viewers, a 1.978 million, essentially, one, almost 1.980 and uh, a 0.5 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. Uh was Roman crying after the Superman punch? No, I bet Jay was, though. Yeah, fucking Jay probably was. <laughs> but, I mean, the only other standout, really, from this SmackDown was uh, the contract signing between uh, Bailey and Sasha. Oh, yeah. Well, Bailey doesn't even sign the contract, though, does she? Yeah. Um. Basically, throughout this whole thing, it's actually I kind of like how they did this. Uh, Sasha was basically telling her, like, the, in a sense, the hard truth of why Bailey been champion for so long. And what it made... What it made... um. It almost made it look like the fact that Bailey was so uncomfortable hearing that, that she was just like, no, I'm not signing this. So it almost seemed like Sasha getting in her head scared her out of signing that contract. Right. But the pay-per-view, I guess, is this upcoming Sunday. So they still have one more SmackDown. I yeah. Guess, so that's probably where they're going to wrap it up with what they go home. Right. Anything else on SmackDown you wanted to note? Uh, no, that was it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one other thing I noticed they, they posted that New Day, uh, I guess they had like a post SmackDown segment here. I'm going to see what this is. This seems a little long, so we might not run the whole thing, but I'll link you to it. Guys, six years together on the same brand. Biggie, you're staying on SmackDown. Kofi Xavier, you're heading over to Raw. You were super emotional out there, but that win, how did that feel? And how are you feeling right now? Man, it, it felt, it felt good. Um, because 
you know, we, we haven't been in the same ring with each other in about a year, probably about a year, you know, almost a year, if not longer. And uh, for us to go out there uh, and and be on the same page, you know, we, we always talk about our chemistry and uh, we know we have something very special, but there's still like a little bit of like nerves coming back. You don't know if you're going to be able to pick up where you left off. And of course, um, we were able to do that, you know, so uh, it, it meant the world to be able to be in the ring with each other. Um, I only want to say like one last time, but, uh, you know, um, to, to be in there and, and to win is just a reminder of like why we did this. You know, um, I know people are at home virtually, but by the same token, you, uh, you can still feel the energy, you know, of uh, people in the building. You just it's just it's just something special that we have. And, uh, you know, I just I'm so fortunate to have shared the ring with these guys, you know, over the past uh, six years. And, um, yeah, that, that win just meant the world. It meant the world to me. And what took away, what did you take away from this night? Um, win is great, obviously. That's why we do this. We want to win, you know, get the, the winner's purse and all that stuff. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's a thing, you know. Get the get the champions paycheck. But but honestly, for for the entire time that I've been a wrestler, I have been trying to find the people I wanted around me in order to make this what I knew that it could be for me, and I didn't find it until. I don't know, nine, ten years into my career, you know? And, uh, again, winning is great. Championships are great. Um, but it's, it's like you're, you're leaving your school friends, you know? You know, you're going to see them again. Everything's going to be fine. But, but that initial first departure is, uh, it's a lot. Cause my whole career I was looking for these guys. I didn't know it was them. But once you find that it is, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Biggie, what do you want to say your last time together tonight? Uh, I think one of the reasons it's, it's emotional for us is because, uh, like, what we do on screen is, like, 5% of the time we spend together. Like, I, I remember uh, Woods having to leave to get married. You know, I remember uh, Kofi having to leave a European tour because he was having a baby. And getting there in the nick of time, I remember, you know, we, I, I've, I've remember being in woods at his old house. He had a shed and not just like a normal shed. This was the dopest shed I've ever seen. We just, it was like a, a separate house and we stayed in his shed. Uh, and I just remember the amount of time, like we, the amount of times that we've broke bread together, that we've talked, that we like, I, as much success as we've had over the years, I always think back to 2014. I always think back to how desperate I was just to get on TV I think back to just trying to find something to keep my job because I felt like I was this close to being fired and we were just trying to get on TV, sincerely. Like we were just three guys just trying to get booked and to not just like all the in-ring accomplishments are incredible. Uh, obviously, Kofi becoming world champion is incredible. The, the tag title runs are incredible, but I'll always remember the times we spent off camera. I remember the amount of trust I was able to put in these two in a business that is often very unforgiving when you have this dog-eat-dog -dog mentality, this, this crabs-in-a-barrel mentality. 
we trusted each other with everything and that means the world to me um and if my career ends tomorrow i'll always have this i'll always have these two human beings um that i'm so thankful for that i truly love and uh, i can't thank them enough for these six years and, and counting it's just a it's just a hiatus it's just a pause this is the kind of stuff that could be that should be on uh the main show yeah hands down really good though really touching stuff i've always told you that i'm very grateful amongst above all things the new that i feel has brought some new flavor to wrestling not just in the cafe but outside of it within the uh you know the whole up up down down the game and getting to see those other personalities and those sides of them i always told fantastic yeah and i mean biggie kind of alluded to it they've said it before even on um, their table for three they did years ago new day saved their careers like those three were virtually on the chopping block and they literally went to creative and was just like let us try this and if it doesn't work cut us loose like freaking six years later they're going down in history as the best tag probably one of the best tag teams in wwe's history they broke demolition's record which was there for years i mean kofi kingston finally got that championship run that he'd won for almost a decade like the new day left their mark in a way to where they're never ever going to fully be gone like woods and kofi could stop tagging tomorrow the new day at this point doesn't go away because the fans won't allow it to go away yeah i agree with you there okay well that brings us to our last stop before we do the voting we're going to talk about raw starting with last week's raw that did 1.86 million viewers in comparison to the 1.686 the week prior this was a season premiere. It had new music, new presentation. You know how it goes. Uh, this starts off crazy because this, the Fiend and Alexa Bliss, they appear in the ring. They just teleport into the ring. They're standing there holding hands, but then they're ambushed by Retribution, but are completely unfazed by the numbers game that Retribution is playing simply because they're able to teleport out, which is what they do. The lights flash and they're gone. This prompts the Hurt Business to then come in for the attack and they're beating up Retribution. And it was like someone took a two liter of raw, shook it, and opened it really fast. And it's one <laughs> and just roared to spit up all of that. The fiend, the one thing, you have Alexa Bliss, you have the hurt. Everything just comes into this big explosion. So, uh, you know. Yeah, which then that turns into uh, a match with Hurt Business versus Retribution, where freaking Hurt Business goes two up because Lashley taps what's his tits to the freaking Hurt Lock. And then fucking. This is the part that killed me. Like, I remember months ago watching this tag, watching this group just show up, and it was the point where they were using the hard cameras. Next thing you know, the fiend pops in and just fucks everybody up. He destroys everyone in retribution. So the fiend gets his victims and everything. It was like I said in the chat room. I don't know what happened, but the second they signed ink to paper, it's been downhill. Mm -hmm. So T-Bar tapped to Lashley's full Nelson lock. And then then basically, yeah, then you have to retribution nonsense going on and then we heard about this pretty much everything that they said that they were going to do during this raw so for a lot of us that follow the news we it all came to fruition it goes to show that you can trust the sheet sometime because they said that uh the bodyguard that jordan guy i don't know how to pronounce his last name uh they said that they were thinking of making yeah for for about a week and a half they said that they were thinking of making him uh into aj styles is uh bodyguard this isn't something that they just threw in there at the last minute this is something that they'd have been playing around with uh he's a nigerian basketball player uh 
he was a, a college player at the University of South Florida and for uh, Morgan State University. So he was in the Performance Center when Mia Yim and Damian Priest and Matt Riddle came in. Um, but they just didn't really use him, uh, aside from when he was part of Akira Tozawa's Army of Ninjas. Then he became Bird, or as we affectionately call him when he's the bodyguard for Raw Underground, which, by the way, Raw Underground is gone for good. They don't want to mix talent from the two brands and risk getting everybody sick. So uh, that's going to be gone for the time being. And now this is the reason why they're executing the plan to make him uh, part of the AJ Styles uh, movement, I guess. So, Which I did not realize how big he was until he stood next to AJ. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle, with the finish being Riddle gets distracted by the intimidation factor of our new bodyguard friend. He cocks his fist like he's going to hit him. Uh, Matt Riddle slides into the ring, which AJ is already preparing a jumping in Siguri, and he brings that into the Styles Clash for the end. I kind of like the fact that like they capitalized on how colossal freaking Jordan is, because literally just the sight alone. And because re- I wonder if they even capitalized it earlier when uh Riddle looked like he was going to go for a running kick from the apron, and the second bird, the second I, I, I keep calling him fucking bird, calling him bird because sec- I compare him to the Judge Judy guy. <laughs> you know what it is because that's just so <laughs> he's so bad. Jordan he stepped to the side in Riddle's way, and Riddle stopped. So it's yeah. like he didn't even really have to do anything; just his presence there was enough. Yes, that was very very cool. So Lana, right? Before I continue, I'm going to talk a little bit about Lana, what she's been doing over the past week. Lana has been putting up videos, as we almost have a Lana video every single week, but this week she really went ham. And I was wondering if this is Lana trying to get herself over, or if WWE is helping to do this, or exactly what's going on here, right? But apparently this is just Lana doing this kind of shit on her own, uh, maybe to help get the attention of WWE. And I'm going to try to bring up here, this is her drinking raw eggs. I love how Liv Morgan just doesn't seem to really care too much about the fact that she has somebody in front of her trying to drink fucking raw eggs. He's like, fuck it, I do this every week. Come on. Man, I'm... Look at this. Yeah, you guys can't get in. Okay. Have you drank raw eggs? Never. Look how disinterested. I like Liv. They should let this be Liv Morgan's thing. She does in the background disinterested all the stupid shit that people do. That'd be great. Look at that. She almost upchucked it. That's where she fucked up. You're only gonna do one at a time? You're supposed to motivate me. You have to chug the whole thing, Lana. Lana, one at a time? She is Do you think Oscar would chug one egg at a time? Oh my god, that's Why rough. would you do one at a time like that, though? Oh, that my makes god. it way harder. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay. Like how, okay. To me, Liv was the star of this just because she's so casual. Why would you do one at a time? You have your I'm, first I'm, ever. Like that's a good gimmick for Liv Morgan. Girl who hardly gives a fuck. For the Raw Women's Championship on the She'd be the orange athlete in Like look at her. She is. Raw. Like she's just no, disinterested. No, no, no. <laughs> no, Don't. Don't. Swallow it. Oh, that's fucked up. You're holding it in your mouth. I can't even believe. Just swallow that one, at least. I only told you to drink two eggs, not three. Just swallow that one. Wow, that looks rough. Come on. Oh, I can literally hear your throat. <laughs> I can literally wow. hear your throat. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I literally threw up in my mouth. I heard it. 
I heard I two times and swallowed. I heard it. I heard it. Oh my god. You're a champion. You're gonna be the champion. I can't even think about it or else vomit. I'm gonna be the champion. I'm gonna be the champion. I'm gonna be the champion. Honestly, like you needed that protein. And it's like bad, but it's like but you got it like a really pure way. You know, you got pure protein and you just worked out. You needed it. Oh my god, I'm gonna be Robin champion. I'm overcoming like Rocky. Okay. Love you guys. That was crazy. I can't believe you did that. Good for you, Lana. Subscribe. Good luck, Morgan. Me too. Thank you. That's just like a hidden star oh that she's not even. <laughs> the go -cook that I want. Oh my god. No, I, I drink the I third one. I heard it. Listen to her. Oh my god. You're a champion. God. You're gonna be the champion. I can't even think about it or else vomit. I'm gonna be the champion. I'm gonna be the champion. I'm gonna be the now, champion. Honestly, like, you needed that protein. And it's like bad, but it's like but you got it like a really pure way. You know, you got pure protein and you just worked out. You needed it. Oh my god, I'm gonna be Robin Champagne. I'm overcoming like Rocky. Okay, that love you guys. Crazy. That was crazy. I can't believe you did that. Good for you, Lana. You feel good, Lana. That's so cool. Me too. Thank you. She never even. Oh my god. Oh man, that is that is epic right there. She completely, she completely aren't Cassidy the shit out of that. So side note. She never even looked back. You know what your unfortunate part about it is you watch part of that without the video. That sounds like a fucked up conversation. Swallow it. Swallow it. You only swallow one. Don't spit it out. Swallow it. It's like the fuck? Oh my god. I couldn't walk around a corner here. Everybody has that one friend that nobody that nothing going on around them seems to phase them. That seems like that's Liv Morgan. Because she never even looked back and they're like, Oh my god, good for you, Lana. So good. I have people like that at my job. It's fucking funny. That was awesome. I almost tried to test them just to see if I can get something out of them. Nothing. Yeah, and and she doesn't stop because uh Lana put on some other shit after this. This is another thing. This is another thing that she did here. Rock champion Shabasta. Crash! That's right, Oscar. She's. I think she's taking this. My theory: she's taking this a lot more seriously than WWE was taking this push. At least yeah. that was my thinking at the time of me gathering these videos. I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if WWE is this serious about her push. Raw eggs, kicking things named Oscar in half. And then she, this was the next one. Listen to this one. There's a promo she did afterwards. Oscar doesn't believe in me. I mean, clearly Oscar's laughing at me. Literally laughing at me. Laugh at me, Oscar. Laugh. Laugh. Does it make you happy? Does it bring satisfaction deep into your soul? make fun of me laugh at me just a question you underestimate me you think i don't deserve this shot you think i'm not worth it i'm not enough i'm not strong i'm not i'm not brilliant i'm not pretty enough not enough that's what you think oscar and that's what you represent all those people have laughed and mocked me and betrayed me and called me names. And this is why I'm ready for Oscar. Because I'm going to kick your head off and crush your body and finish you. Because you represent everything I can't stand. You represent the mean people out there. And I'm going to finish you raw women's champ. So now Oscar danced gingerly to the ring and kicked the other shit out of her. But no, 
in, in all seriousness, Lana did look good out there. Obviously, I don't think that she, the WWE creative is taking the push as seriously as she is. This seems to be, I mean, if they were, they would have showed some of this shit, the drinking of the eggs or anything on the actual show. Even they they completely, they, they ignored it. This is just her trying to just get herself over, which you almost can't blame the girl for. I'm, I'm not thrilled with all of it, but it's better than they're being literally, it's better than what they're giving us. You know what I mean? Her production is you know better like than... About- her, her production better than Ross production. Go ahead. Exactly. What I like about that promo is it reminded me of maybe I think it was a couple of years ago when um ROH had Daniels going on that run where he eventually beat Adam Cole for the world title and Daniels would work himself into promo so hard he start crying in the middle of him. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought of. Like after a promo like that, I gave the girl the title. Yeah, like but, damn the marks. Like and, and she looked good. Was, she was moving at top speed. The way she was hitting the ropes, the way the the offense looked, she actually looks formidable toward Oscar. She's, she's definitely up with Oscar. She's practicing, but uh, nonetheless, she does wind up tapping. Um, A lot of after, her transitions look really good in this. You know, and then afterwards, Nia Jax shows up and she puts Lana through a fucking table. They went right back to the table thing. The whole push and everything. It was it was almost like they were teasing her, you know, like the carrot in front of the horse. And like, you know, they made her do all this. She got motivated for the match. And then more of the highlight of it was her going through the fucking table. And then afterwards, Shayna goes after Asuka, but Asuka ends up kicking her out of the ring and kicking her ass there. Uh, but this sort of leads to Shayna and Nia calling out the women's locker room um, for being the tag champs, which cause, which, which prompts, uh, <laughs> it, it prompts Mandy and Dana to show up with their new music and their new posing and everything and then Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce uh which it, it annoyed a lot of people because they took Peyton Royce out of one tag team just basically to put her into another um undisposed tag team so from what we're hearing according to the dirt sheets um because they did ask people within the business what was happening with Vince McMahon because the room was that Vince McMahon after deciding Peyton Royce was worthy of a singles push forgot about pushing her but apparently someone in the writing team who remains anonymous said that no they Vince didn't forget about pushing Peyton Royce he just decided he's going to drop it. So he remembers that she's there and he remembers what he was going to do. He just spontaneously decided, fuck it, which literally is what we're hearing. So this puts this girl in limbo because they decided no more singles push, nothing for you. But we broke up the, the, the established team that you had. And now she's just thrown into the fucking shuffle. And this is what I'm fucking talking about, where it's kind of like the whole time they were worried about pushing Peyton Royce. And then they fucking forgot. And then and, and we can't even say forgot because now we're hearing that he just said, no, nah, never mind, which is his right to do. You know, that's the whole frustrating that's thing about worse. this company that you have a guy who you can't really say anything. It's his company. It's his fucking creative vision. But you're displacing people. And then you're going, yeah, never mind. I got, I'm going to do this other shit instead. You know, have like a a, a like, fucking plan. Like, and I love how because let's let, let's be honest. Let's tell let's tell what this match really was. This was three tag teams and then Peyton Royce and Lazy Evans because the fucking Riot Squad showed up next. The happy ass Riot Squad. And I love how why do Peyton and Lacey already have an entrance? Like these fuckers have been teaming at all. Yeah, which is kind of weird. And you know they what? I'm hearing part of the like, <laughs> I'm hearing part of the excuse for the reason why things are like this is because due to the circumstances in the world, they don't know on a week to week basis who's going to be there and who isn't. You know what? To me, that's more of a reason why you don't fuck with things that aren't already broken. New Day was fine as being the three guys that were together. And God forbid you lose any more people to any illnesses or any more tragedy. You might need a trio of guys that's already established. So I wouldn't split them up. Peyton Royce and, and Billy Kay, the Iconics. Since so many things are happening without your control. Why not leave what you can? I'm sure that with the way the world is, you're going to have to make fucking changes no matter what. Anyway, if you just leave the things that you have that work alone, things are going to happen. They're going to force you into the situation. Why make it harder? 
If Peyton Royce and Billy Kay are working, why fuck with that right now? You got plenty of time. Let's just say that the world fixes itself in the next six months. How about six months of you just trying as hard as you can to keep everything as normal as possible and only adjusting when circumstances cause you to? Instead of throwing everybody apart, splitting everybody up, turning all the faces heel and the heels faces, and then on top of that, when people get sick, now you get chaos. So I don't really understand what their logic is. And then they throw her into a team with with, with freaking... uh. With Lacey, who they can't even decide if they want her to be a heel or a fucking baby face. So just more they forgotten people. They want her to actually do anything. You know, and then, of course, the Riot Squad comes out. And this is just a big, stupid brawl with all the girls doing unnecessary high spots. Lacey Evans, she nearly dies hitting a moonsault to the outside. You know, Nia goes over Lacey via Samoan drop. And they wind up burying the whole tag team division. That's the whole thing. Those are all the tag teams that I are left. <laughs> and all you basically did, instead of having some sort of tournament or matches leading up to it, you had all of the girls come out and then you showed that all of them combined aren't enough to handle Nia and Shayna. And there are no more tag teams now. So what and, happens and next? I love how of all the people they pin, they pin the two that aren't actually a team. Yeah. So nothing works here. Nothing works. Nothing makes sense. That needs some serious damage control. Uh, Elias and I guess that's his actual band they come on they have an actual fucking concert they played a song they plugged the song and everything this was completely displaced from Raw it wasn't bad music um, it's just strange Raw's having an identity crisis and this just felt part of it it felt like a variety show uh, after the, after they allow him to complete the song since it was, it was a genuine plug they do have him go on for an encore which then predictably Jeff Hardy comes and attacks him it's saying that he's not the one who ran him over uh, another thing that we've been hearing for the past couple of weeks is that WWE had every intention because remember the original story was Mustafa Ali was supposed to be revealed as the SmackDown hacker. We've been hearing for the past couple of weeks that WWE had planned on still revealing him as the hacker within retribution just so that they would tie up that loose end and that they were going to find some clever way to do it. They didn't really have a clever way of doing it. Their clever way of doing it was to have him stand there and go, you know that hacker? It was me. He didn't really fucking... When they said tie up loose ends, I thought they were going to do more than just have him go by the way. And what disappoints me about this angle is it's a missed opportunity. Why is it a missed opportunity? Because on SmackDown, they kept showing the hacker controlling cameras and controlling electronics and controlling things like this. I kept waiting for the day during uh, Raw, that all of the crowd would have turned into retribution people, all the masked retribution people all over the crowd. And yeah, they did a thing where their logo appeared, but it would have been cool if they would have all turned into the retribution, everyone in the Thunderdome. And then that ties into Mustafa Ali being the hacker. He's controlling even the Thunderdome and he put all the retribution guys up there and it all comes full circle. You know, just something that incorporates the actual hacking because things were happening. The lights were going out. You know what I mean? Like power was going out. Things were flickering. Things were all fucked up. So it's kind of like when you go, by the way, I'm the hacker. This There should be a video package. Tie all that shit in that you've been putting us through for almost fucking six months. Power going out and things that we couldn't explain. The color of things changing. You know, the cameras and shit fucking up. This guy just revealed that he's the hacker. Do you think maybe you can incorporate all of the fucking shit that's been going on for weeks, if not months into that? You have it right there. And you wonder what the funny part about it is? George mentioned Sammy Callahan's uh, new gimmick, which basically is like a watchdog-esque thing. Even Impact keeps the continuity more because Sammy Callahan legit fucks with shit. But that's what I'm saying. They put us through weeks, if not months, of power and shit to run on. So basically, you revealed him as the hacker. You have all the fucking stuff you need for him to be the hacker. This explains everything. This explains everything. Explain it. You have the they shit forgot. there. And you know what the funny thing about it? I love how they say tie up a loose end. I stopped giving a shit about that the moment. But it was so perfect. That's what upsets me. I stopped giving a shit too. But just how fucking good would that have looked? If it would have been like, now we can see that the hacker is the reason why the power cut off and retribution was was able to get into the building and how the Thunderdome was being controlled because of the fucking hacker. 
that you just see, revealed. We expect, we expect that from a company with some competent intelligence. Not these guys. No, we're just going to tie it up by saying, oh, I was the hacker. And again, it's not that we're passionate because I don't give a shit if Raw runs good or bad, but I just want to remind all of you, any of you that are saving up for your next-gen consoles, any of you that are trying to make ends meet, any of you recovering from COVID, that these motherfuckers live in multiple properties. They get paid to live with their minivans and their nice suburbs. You know what I mean? And they can't even put together a coherent fucking storyline. And I'm not saying that. The, and remember, this isn't like the person who does the writing controls, the lights and the outfits and the costumes and the music. Each person controls one little leg of this gigantic machine. And you're fucking telling me that the guy that's in charge of continuity. Remember, we spoke on here about the continuity writer that they were hiring to make sure the parts of the story fucking link. You're telling me that this dude makes money that he can buy and sell probably collectively all of us. And he or she couldn't put together a fucking coherent continuity for this stuff. That makes me sick, man. So, you know, like I said, very disappointed with the Mustafa Ali hacker thing. Not because it was a bad idea, but because there was substance there and they did nothing with it except have him go with me. I was the hacker. Which makes you wonder if, if he didn't reveal that yet, being that he is supposed to be an evil character, why would he reveal his full hand right by now? What is After he, the fucking old Bond villain? That's what the funny part about it is. It's not like he did just, like, to promote Retribution's level of danger. He did that shit after an ass whooping because he was mad. Yeah. So more bad writing and booking. Then we go. Then they're like, you know what? Let's just make even more stupid sense. What happens next? Titus O'Neil, he shows up in a suit, goes up to the Hurt Business, and he's like, hey, gentlemen, you know, you guys do really good business. I really like the fact that you took care of retribution the way you did. I'm a businessman myself, and I have a lot of connections in the world, which is true. And I and I feel like with guys like you, you know, we can I can I can help elevate you. I'm really interested in working with all of you. He came up as cordial as the out of character Titus does, the most respectful. I could really help you guys elevate. I'm anxious to work with all of you gentlemen and see where this can go and what I can do for you. And they're like, you know, oh, yeah, we're in business. And they'll give him, you know, shake his hands and stuff. And he's like, that's good to hear, man, because I'm really anxious. Thank you so much. And then they actually go, well, actually, no. We're in business. And then they just beat the fuck out of him. Doesn't make any sense to me. First of all, unwarranted ass woman. You're supposed to, I kind of like the her business. The, the presentation's developed and it is good, but you have to keep them a business. Kind of like the APA. Remember the APA? They would work, they were hired hands. It was unobjective. They weren't heels or baby faces. You would go into that office and you would hire them for a job. And that's what made people respect them so much. Farouk and Bradshaw, they're in there playing cards. And if you bring them money, they'll do whatever the hell you need done. You know, that's what was cool about the herb business. It makes no sense to me how someone can come up to you guys respectfully while you're businessmen. Titus O'Neill, of all people. And he presents a, a believable offer since he's a powerful person outside of wrestling and stuff like that. And then you're like, OK, you know, this guy was respectful, came up to us in a suit, represented the kind of things we said, did nothing but complimented us. And we beat the fuck out of him. But in the meantime, these guys that have been screwing us over that we've been battling with for months, we keep offering them seats. While they're not complying and they're making fools of us and Eddie Guerreroing us and all this other shit. So it was just weird to me. And it felt like just an excuse to just shit on Titus O'Neil. Like, why did Titus O'Neil need to get jumped out of her business? It was such an afterthought that they did that. And uh, again, just garbage shit there. Uh, maybe he'll feud with them next. I'd like to see him. If that gets some more TV time, wonderful. Uh, you know, if it becomes something like that, great. But if it's just, by the way, and then we don't see him, that gives me a problem. Get ready uh, for your problem. Tucker needs a tag team match against Miz and Morrison. I guess Miz and Morrison were moved off for Friday back to Monday because, again, Friday is about trying to impress the executives. And honestly, Miz, as much as I like him, back with the shitty team with Morrison, the dirt sheet team back back together, it's all garbage. Uh, so Tucker decides to get freaking Otis, who's now El Grand Gordo, El Grand Goldo, which basically means, you know, the Grand Fat Grand Fat Guy. Which, uh, you just know. for the record, not even a week and they already broke their own draft rule. Yeah, with El Gordo doing a jumping arm drag, which is interesting. I guess that's one of, one of the things that prove that he's a luchador. Hmm. 
And, uh, one, Andre. Yeah, and during this, you have R Truth who's running from 24 7 people. And the one thing that popped me was I don't know who that was in commentary who said, Lucha House Party, they must have come out to support our Grand Gordo. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, that, that popped me. That was old school <laughs> WWE humor right there because I was kind of thinking it too. So I, I still enjoy the entertainment aspect when they can do fun stuff, you know, but there just really wasn't a lot of it. Uh,. You have Alexa Bliss and The Fiend, you know, Alexa Bliss officially part of the Firefly Funhouse. I shouldn't say The Fiend, regular Bray Wyatt, you know, freaking uh, Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, and she shows up in the Firefly Funhouse. Um, you know what would be a cool thing I was thinking about? If when she showed up in the Firefly Funhouse, she was her original NXT gimmick. She was like a happy fairy. You know, she was all positivity. Yes. And then the one that shows up with The Fiend is the opposite version of her, you know, like kind of giving it that, you know, negative, positive light that they're going forward things. Um, this is something that I expected. I don't know why I expected it. Maybe I'm just overestimating them, underestimating me. I don't know. But I just thought when I saw her, she was going to be that fairy character. Especially because recently, and we don't have time to go into it because I want to get out of here. WWE recently released something on their website that shows how much people have changed. And it's like a split screen of all the different versions of people. And one of them was fairy bliss with current bliss. So I kind of thought going into that callback, since you guys reminded yourselves of it, how about fairy bliss show up in the fucking funhouse? No, we're not doing that, right? A little, that little shred of effort. You're asking for a little bit too much. Next thing you know, they're gonna ask. Dude, next thing you know, you're gonna ask them to make the Ali thing make sense. But you see we'll how much fun the right. show could be. You know what I mean? Like if you really try to just make things work, so you got to make the best. In, of what in you other got, words, you know? if we were writing it, yeah. Yeah, like you see how much fun you can have. Like honestly, as much as we complain about the landscape and the roster, it's neither of those things. Because look at how much fun we're having with all the things you could do with what the way things are now. It's just just talking about like this would be cool to do. That's how you're supposed to run a fucking wrestling show. But nope, we're not getting any of that. But anyway, at least she's part of there, and she is doing great with the role. They just got to give her more to go with. Uh, you get Keith Lee versus Braun Strowman. For some reason, you got Strowman wearing regular clothing. I can't say I dislike the look, but I just find it interesting that they decided to go with that. Uh, Strowman winds up headbutting Keith Lee in the balls, cheating essentially to go over, and then afterwards, Keith Lee kicks him in the balls. Who's the heel here? I'm not sure. I guess Strowman, if he even is a heel. Yeah, they don't seem Strowman's to. Strowman's a heel. It's just Lee. They try to go for the old, oh, he got his comeuppance, but considering the fact that I don't, I can't remember the last time Keith Lee won a match on exactly. Raw. Exactly. Keith Lee used to win matches. Weren't those good days? And Exactly. Now you have poor fucking Strowman, who's essentially the big show. He's already turned back and forth the way the big show's done. You know what the funny Every thing about angle. it is? It, it, it's giving him too much credit to say a headbutt. Friggin', I guess um, Lee tried to go for the spirit bomb. Strowman just threw himself to the ground to block it. And then friggin', when Lee went to pick him up, all Strowman did was sit up, and his nut just happened to be right over the back of his head. Yeah, really stupid, really stupid. And then he beat him with a boot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing here. So the finish to this entire night, just in case you haven't had enough. So you have Randy Orton who comes out to give one of his dramatic speeches in the lowered Hell in a Cell about how he wanted to come out here and he wanted to experience it and whatever. This leads to, of course, predictably McIntyre coming out and he comes out with bolt cutters. And it's weird how Orton has this shocked look on his face like he can't believe that this guy has bolt cutters. I can't believe they have kendo sticks and barbed wire. I can't believe they've had hot dog stands. Uh, you know what I mean? All kinds of shit that Fire you've experienced, Randy. And I can't believe that Mitch the plant was a weapon. Bolt cutters in a place like this for a bolt that you're cutting. And Orton looks so shocked. And then to make matters even worse, he cuts the bolts, gets in the ring, and the fucking show goes off the air like that. They just leave it in the hiatus. The last thing you see is him slam the door. Like that's it. He cut the bolts here. This Raw wasn't bad. But it also wasn't good. It had things that were entertaining and compelling elements, as well as things that were just missed opportunities. 
My problem with Raw at this point is that Raw has completely lost its identity. It doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know if it's a wrestling show or an entertainment or sports entertainment or sports. It just looks in the fridge and sees what it can make for dinner on Monday nights. That's literally all that Raw has become. They have no idea what they want to be, what the tone is that they want to have, what the, what kind of show they want to be. They're just really at this point all over the place. And whether it works or not isn't even the problem anymore. The problem is that you can see that this is a show that has completely lost its identity. For good, for better or worse, whether you're enjoying it or not. This show doesn't have a full grasp on where it's going or what it's doing or why it's even fucking doing it at this point. And it's sad to see that. You know, SmackDown maybe to a lesser extent, but really Raw, it didn't know what to do with all these new toys that it bought. It was like a kid under the tree on Christmas and it just didn't know what to play with first because now you got The Fiend over there, you got Alexa Bliss, you know, you got The New Day or half of The New Day here. You know, but again, they win their, their match with Biggie celebrating on the fucking Tron, uh, which defeats the purpose. If you're going to have Biggie be gone from there, at least be, be it because he's going to be doing something else. If you really are serious about splitting up this team, then take their mind off of the fact that Biggie's there, you know, and do something else with it. Go in the different direction you planned on it. But that's the thing. They've lost their identity. They've lost their direction. And just because they have the production they do and the characters they do, they're able to just put together compelling and good segments every now and then, as well as bad ones. They're just basically holding on to their time slots. And it just doesn't seem like there's ever any consistency. One hand doesn't know what the other one is doing. And uh, it's really just all over the place. You know, all of these shows, none of these shows have been good lately, aside from New Japan and Ring of Honor, in my opinion. Even AEW suffered from one year anniversary of nothing. They celebrated nothing. They accomplished nothing. And I kind of feel like they are where they were one year later, if not in a much worse place. But when you look at Raw, it's really sad to see a show that has had people like Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, and, and The Rock and Shawn Michaels uh, and the greats like The Undertaker and Kurt Angle and Ric Flair and so many others that have come through here. And now it just looks like a show that's just trying to just fill slots. Yeah, and been around for what? They they always usually throw it out there every now and then. What, 1,500-something episodes? That's why I give them so much shit. Like, at 1,500 episodes, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, and when you see things that can work... We shouldn't be telling work, you what mm-hmm. can work on your show on 1,500 yeah. episodes. And when you see things that can work... It's a shame when they missed opportunities. And yeah, we can say stuff like thank goodness for Ring of Honor and thank goodness for New Japan. But to be completely honest with you, that's like me saying that my steak dinner is burnt. But thank God that I'm having ribs tomorrow and, and, and fish the next day. I still want the steak dinner when I have it to be good. And what I mean by that metaphor is that at the end of the day, I do enjoy shows like Ring of Honor and New Japan because I'm a wrestling nerd. And I like just the wrestling aspect and the rules and the holds and the displays and everything. That shit is awesome. But I'm also I also do like show. I've told you guys. I've I've spent my whole life since the beginning watching Monday Night Raw. You know what I mean? That's decades and decades and decades of me watching Monday Night Raw. I've always said in this show, and it's an old saying, that, you know, say what you want about uh, wrestling. I'll fall on my sword when it comes to that show because it's the show that I've grown up. If it wasn't for that show, most of the things that we're doing and most of the other wrestling we're watching, it was our gateway. It gave us our exposure. So I take no pleasure in when these shows fall apart the way that they do, you know. And it is, yeah, it is really sad to, uh, to see it. But my point being that I can't even say thank good for Ring of Honor New Japan because those are different flavors. I feel like there is still a place in my life for the kind of show that Raw used to be. A show that isn't just fully wrestling based, but does have interesting storylines, funny characters, sometimes segments that have no wrestling at all. 
good matches, drama, build up. You know what I mean? All the things that made Monday Night Raw. I get that Raw is not just for us wrestling geeks. You got to cater to people who like the entertainment. You know, back in the Attitude Era, there were people that liked it because of the beers and the stunners and the two-word suck it and the sexual chocolate. If you ask them what the moves were, what Mark Henry's finisher was, you know, they like China. I get that this is a show that even if you're not picking up the wrestling moves, you're supposed to love it and enjoy the entertainment. And I'm all for that. I'm never going to be one of those hardcore wrestling fans in here that's going to tell you guys, oh, we just need the wrestling. No, the fun shit. I mean, come on. With all the jokes and shit we tell on this this thing, the, the, the fact that on the other days of on this website, we're doing other kinds of entertainment shit like South Park and freaking Rick and Morty and just telling. Of course, we like entertaining shit like that. I'm not going to just turn my nose up at like that. Like I want it to be a serious, dark wrestling show. But the point is just giving you guys the examples that I gave you this week of missed opportunities and cool things that they could have done to make that entertainment more entertaining. You know, I'm not saying change Raw to be like the other shows. I'm just saying let Raw do what it's known for doing good. It always beat the competition, right? Yeah, back on that. that and I think it's, that's where, because we've noticed, some of you guys have been listening the past few weeks, we've noticed I've been extra hard on them. That's why. Because at over a thousand episodes, we should not be on here telling you you could have done this, 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 and this. We should have been like, holy shit, I didn't even know you could do that, 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 and that. It's not that difficult. It really it, isn't. That's what pisses me off. That's why I don't give AEW shit for a year. Because after a year, they haven't had a thousand fucking episodes. And at the very least, we've been around have... for 20, 30 something years. How are you fucking up like this? Yeah. And, and at the very least, if you're going to have a show with those kind of inconsistencies, don't pay big buck salaries to writers for that. I'm sure that you have a exactly. team without the right. You could do just as good without anybody behind the pen and paper if this is what they're giving you for money. Hire back some of the people that got released that deserve that job. Fuck the writers. Especially since a lot of them don't even come from wrestling backgrounds anymore. They came from sitcoms and soap operas. They're not understanding the way that this machine works. You know? So, any, so anything else to say on the matter before we go to our final thing here, the polls? Yeah, I think it's uh, time for the poll. Time for the polls. Fantastic. I will say I, I was curious of how the cell was going to look in the Thunderdome. I actually got to see it before Sunday. So Yeah. Well, we're going to see how it looks. It'll be very interesting here. Uh, but yeah, we're going to bring you guys uh, up to date. No, we're not, we're not putting Lana. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to bring her up on the screen. Trying to bring up our Helen Cell. She just happens to be there behind it. Okay, so Helen Cell is now up. These are the polls. I'm going to actually link you guys. If you if you go to talkbrunch.com, it's at the top of the website. You can click on the Helen Cell button that's there if you want to get taken directly to the poll or underneath it. There is also uh, the version that you can click where you can scroll through. I'm going to link you guys here and I'm going to share it on social media without any, uh, I'll, you know, I'll put hashtag hell in the cell. Just so some, some, get some stuff on there. Uh, maybe I could show you guys real quick what I'm talking about since we do have it on the website because I never really get to display this. I know this isn't going to be good for the podcast, but for the people that are looking at us on uh on video this is our website don't forget no matter what platform we're on the website we own it you know this is us on the website see the top of the website when you go here during uh whenever we're live the top window it'll either show you that it cannot be displayed and if it says that just click one of the links the facebook or the or the or the twitch links that are right below it but if you see it you could just press play right here oh god it's going to try to lag us and it's probably going to try to play i hope i don't get my own feedback here because that's not what i want to do don't you do it don't you do it. Yeah, I'm just letting that load so that if I need to mute it, I can. 
But yeah, because I know some people don't go to our website. They don't realize whenever you want to know what's going on, if something if something doesn't look right, odds are the place where you're going to see that is available. Good, the video didn't load because we're probably too much shit loaded. Underneath the logo, right here, see this? This is the logo. You can click that. It'll take you there. Depending on what your phone is, though, if you don't want to go to another page, right here you can scroll. As you can see, all of the matches and everything will show up. Okay? And again, if you want to get to any of our platforms, for anyone that doesn't know on TalkBrunch.com, you got your Twitch link here. You got your Facebook link here. Okay, which brings you to the two live streams. And then underneath are the archived iTunes versions of our episodes, along with all of our extra content underneath. There's no reason you can't find all the links here. But I digress. We're going to get to the poll. But I just wanted to show you guys. You click here if you need to. That takes you there. Talkbrunch.com is literally going to always be the central place. No matter what other platforms go down the way Mixer does, that's always going to be where you can find us. That is ours. It is owned by us. Hell in a Cell, October 25th, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Probably with a one-hour uh, kickoff. So we'll see you guys in the chat room at 6 p.m. We usually do the watch-along for anybody that doesn't already know that. We're going to get our first match here, which we just announced tonight. Singles match, thanks to Jeff Hardy's attack. You got Jeff Hardy against Elias. What are your thoughts here? Um, I would give him the win because it's Elias's first match back. I mean, you can't have him come back after what was five months away and then just lose his first pay per view back. Yeah, I think you're probably right there too. And it's not like they push. That's how I've always felt when it comes on. Somebody's gone a long time. First match back, you gotta give him a win. George might be right also too, though, because DQ just because it's the only match that can have a DQ at this point, unless they add other matches. Because Elias has been known to get frustrated and just crack somebody with that guitar. I'm going to go with the DQ in no contest just because I think you have a point there. I think there's going to be some screwery going on. Yeah. All right. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. uh, Mm -hmm. It looks like up next we got SmackDown Women's Championship, Bayley versus Sasha Banks, which this match, side note, is a big deal for Sasha. And why is that? One, Sasha has been in every women's Hell in a Cell match. And now with Bailey having this match, all four four horse women have been inside Hell in a Cell, and Sasha's fought all three of them. Interesting. Yeah, Charlotte and Sasha was the first one. Becky and Sasha was next, and now Bailey's going to round it out. So it's kind of interesting that the four horse women are the only women who have ever been inside the cell. Yeah, this is for the title, of course. Yeah, which I'm assuming this upcoming SmackDown. Uh, that she's going to sign the contract which by the way guys always come back to the poll on the website and check new new matches will most likely be added on this upcoming friday smackdown so uh when you come back if you see new matches i'll timestamp on them when i added them just vote on the new ones and skip the ones you already did and it'll keep track don't worry about it just come back you leave the other ones blank but check periodically check like on the sunday morning or the sunday before you come in a chat room on the pay-per-view for these you know uh but anyway what are your thoughts here who do you think is going over I think I think Sasha's got it because there can't be DQ here. So it's a hell in a cell, right? Yeah, there's no DQs whatsoever. So this is just straight out. There's going to be a winner. I think Sasha's experience inside here is going to do good for her because Bailey's never been in this thing before. Sasha's been in here twice, so I feel like Sasha's going to get the edge. And Sasha's going into this match pissed off. <laughs> I don't know if Bailey's going to take her as seriously. As she should um, inside Hell in a Cell. Yeah, it's definitely questionable. Uh, so you you think Sasha's going to take it here? Yeah, I mean Bailey's been champion what just over a year now, so 
Bailey for a while has been at that point where they could honestly pull the trigger on her losing the title almost any time. So yeah, there's, I feel like this could be a situation where it could benefit for for her to lose it. I think that there's a little at this point there's a little bit too much history between Bailey and Sasha to have this change out of Hell in a Cell, in my opinion. Uh, if I was going to do something that drastic, this would have to be at either the Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania, in my opinion, which Royal Rumble is only a couple of months away. Um, yeah, that's true. Royal yeah, Rumble is right around the corner. Yeah, and I, I think that the 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 longly destined and awaited WrestleMania match might be able to happen if they drag this on long enough. Let them do it on a big stage. Not at Hell in a right. Cell. I would wait. I wouldn't have even split them up yet just to see if we could get crowds back before this feud happened. Because I would have loved to see a crowd reaction to this. But if they can keep this yeah. on a low burn long enough to get to Mania and hopefully we have somewhat of a crowd, I'd rather that than for this to just be one and done at Hell in a Cell. You know? It's definitely doable. I think if you if you can if you want to go that route, I feel like you do it the way they did uh Sean and Triple H back in the early two thousands. You have them separate after a little while but then come right back together around that time because the hatred's there to where if they're in the same locker room they're gonna touch again yeah because that was the case with sean and triple h they separated but then they instantly came right back after a little while yeah well we'll see what happens but for this i think i'm gonna go for bailey retaining i don't think hell in a cell is the place um but we'll see what happens uh the only other well we know we still have other listed matches we got the wwe hell in a cell championship match you got drew mcintyre against randy orton what did Orton say? He's been in this thing, what, seven times now? Give it to Orton already so he yeah, can feud with point, Edge, like, for if, God's if, they're not giving, if they don't give it to Orton now, they're not giving it to him. Like This Edge, this 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 Orton McIntyre, please give it to Orton and just end the fucking feud. God's sakes. Either way, this shit needs to end at this fucking pay-per-view. But like at this point, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm tired of Drew winning and then Orton just finding a way to sneak back and winning the title shot. Either give him the title or don't. Like... But yeah, I'm going Orton for this one. Why do you think that they did that? Why do you think that they've been carrying this? Uh, I, the, I don't even. I I don't even know. Like it's almost like they're in love with this feud, but then it doesn't even make a a, a fuck of a reason why they would be. You know what I mean? Like I would. They they should have just ended this at the ambulance match. There's really no need that this match needed to go for a third run. Drew's beaten them two straight times. Yeah. No, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And it's not even like it, it, it's not even like freaking like, oh, it's like he beat him like he beat him clean twice. Yeah. And George, and George, how, how is he getting buried? It's, 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 he's coming off a WWE championship. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's just like if they're not going to give it to Orton, do not do this match again. Maybe the only reason they're doing this match, like Stacey has a point, they're waiting for Edge. Maybe they don't have a clear path until when Edge will be ready. So maybe this is all just a matter of them stalling for 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 uh, Edge. Because that's their best hope right now, you know. And that's assuming they even go to it. But yeah, that's yeah. I, I could if that's the reasoning they're behind it. There could be a better reason, but yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll I, to. I feel like just the experience in there. I give it to Orton. You think so? Yeah, because yeah, I, I mean, he 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 mentioned the fact that he's been in the cell seven times. His win loss ratio is pretty good in there. He's only really lost maybe a couple of times in that thing. And this is Drew's first one. And history usually does say experience does you wonders in hell in a cell. Well, hopefully it does it for him. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But for me, out of the desperation of it all, I have to go with uh, Randy Orton here. Okay? 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. Universal Championship Hell in a Cell I Quit match. Jey Uso against Roman Reigns. We're hearing we know this was good. supposed to be a one and done, but just the reaction that people got to how good a tank came out, they decided to get let Jey Uso go again. Yeah, um, I don't disagree with it. I mean, he did a hell of a job in that match. In that match, they had the last pay per view. I think and the way he sold that beating, like yeah, I think Reigns is going to go over, but I kind of feel like they need to add something to this here. Maybe maybe Jimmy comes back and turns heel on Jay. And he helps uh, keep him in the cage or some crazy shit. Something's going to happen here that's going to further this and it's going to lead somewhere else. So I'd like to see where that goes. So I have an interesting prediction with this one. I'm going definitely with you on Reigns. But I feel like it's going to be a situation where this is just literally me throwing my booking out there. Somehow, I don't know how, they get to the top of the cell and... Reigns virtually threatens to throw him over, and that causes Jay to quit. Like almost a fear of like permanent injury and or death is what causes it. Because we've seen that happen in I Quit matches before. Yeah, maybe something like that is possible. But Reigns obviously Jay's not going to win this. You know, we're, yeah, yeah, we're Jay's pushing, not winning, that's we're sure. pushing the, the the chief here. You know, uh, yeah. So Roman Reigns, one way or another, is going to go. But I do think we're going to see some sort of drama here. They got to keep the drama going since that's what kept this feud hot so far. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Uh, once you guys get to the bottom here, you tap that finish survey button. And again, you can come back here. There'll be new matches posted on the top. They'll have a timestamp right here next to what it says telling you when I added it. It's not when WW, but when I notice and add it. So come back. Again, you can check Sunday before the pay-per-view. You can add these as long as you see them. You can always vote. Never feel like you can't. And then you hit that finish button. And after you do that, that'll close it off for you. That's all you got to do. Simple as that. Simple as that. All right, so I'm going to hit my finished survey. You guys are all good in the hood now. Sweet. So don't forget, guys, this this upcoming sun, Sunday during the kickoff, we will be in the chat room to interact with you all. We'll have an encore of the audio iTunes version of this show playing throughout the night up until the post show that Dest and I will do following it, where we'll go over the results and we'll uh, just talk about the aftermath and run whatever post videos they have, as we always do. So if you're new to us, don't forget to come hang in that chat room. Even for a little while. Just put your two cents in the chat room. It's always open to everybody. Are we good here, Destin? Yeah, we are good to go. That is what I love to hear. That being said, thank you to every single person who has hung out with us and tolerated us for this entire wonderful evening that we have had. Thank you to uh, Cooler Ice and Willie V2, Night Owl, 9000, Stasis Dreams, NYX, Emery's or Emmer's, hope I'm saying that right. Uncle Louie TV, thank you for the host. Same man, Senpai, thank you for the host as well. EB Gamer, King of Quest is always a pleasure. George with a Z at the end, thanks for seeing you again. Strive Hosts, uh, thanks for coming and helping us pronounce that name of Cena's wife. The Devil's SOB, the Devil's SOB. Uh, I Cabigon, thanks for hanging out. Relic, loving father of three. Pixie Starlow, also thanks you for the host. You too. Sorello, welcome, sir. Thank you for being a Princess League need him and of course all of you who are listening on itunes iHeartRadio, stitcher tune in podcast addict google podcast all of those other podcatcher apps as well as the video subscribers on twitch tv facebook.com and twitter ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to talk brunch live episode 415 hosted by yours truly rick dara aka captain brunch for myself and my co-host destin soul glow frazier we're out of here see you at hell Shut it down.